106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Hospitals across the country are actually furloughing healthcare workers, laying off hospital employees. It's true. 700 healthcare workers were furloughed by Mercy Health in Cincinnati. 700 more were furloughed in Boston by the Boston Medical Center. 500 more furloughed in Kentucky. 400 in Connecticut. 200 in Tennessee. More in New Jersey, Oregon, Virginia, Arkansas. Because states, state governments are mandating that private practices cancel non-essential surgeries at hospitals. Did you know hospitals across the country, especially in rural areas, are at risk of shutting down completely because they have no patients? It's true. 25% of rural hospitals are now at risk of closing due to the cancellation of so-called non-essential medical care. Smaller hospitals, even with Medicare advances, can't absorb the losses to their profit and remain open. And many of these rural hospitals are the backbone of the economy, the primary job creator in the towns where they're located. Did you know private medical practices, your primary care provider, is at risk of going under and their business is closing permanently because all government forced the cancellation of non-essential surgeries? It's true. 40% of family medicine clinics are at risk of closing by the end of June. Imagine the devastating impact that that's going to have on people's health. Did you know that Quest Diagnostics, which has so far processed 40% of COVID-19 tests in our country, is furloughing employees, cutting pay, dismissing temporary workers and cutting overtime? It's true. Thanks to social distancing, Quest has no profit from the regular tests they perform to earn the money to pay their employees. Did you know that nobody in our country has not gotten a ventilator who needed one? It's true. Vice President Pence, as well as state governors across the country, have confirmed that everybody who needed one has gotten a ventilator. Did you know zero hospitals in the United States have been overwhelmed to the point of collapse? It's true. Not a single hospital in our nation has been forced to ration care or deny care to COVID-19 patients. Did you know that the Army Field Hospital in Washington State closed because they saw zero patients? It's true. Zero patients. So they built it based on doomsday predictions, and then they tore it down. Did you know in Los Angeles and in the UK during flu season, hospitals had to build surge tents for their overwhelming patients infected with influenza? In Dallas, hospitals turned away flu patients because of overcrowding, but the media barely noticed it then. It's true. The media just didn't report it because it wasn't salacious because it was only the flu. Did you know in New York City, hospitals were overflowing and their emergency rooms looked like a war zone all the way back in autumn of 2019? It's true. New York City hospitals have had issues long before COVID-19, and it's disingenuous for reporters who never even peeked into a New York City emergency room before now to try to make any comparison and blame the conditions on COVID-19. Now, this is not to downplay hospitals in virus outbreak hotspots that are hustling. Some hospitals are downright busy. Some are crammed. What I want you to do with this information tonight is realize that much of what you were told, what you heard at the beginning of this outbreak, whether it was viral videos of nurses crying on Instagram about limited respirator masks, whether it was reports of do not resuscitate orders or rationing of ventilators, whether it was video from Italy that the mainstream media was showing when they were talking about the virus outbreak in New York City, 
whether it was former public officials like Tom Bossert predicting on March 10th that our hospitals will be creamed like Italy's, which collapsed after 10 days with 1,000 extra patients. That, that was all projection, people's guesses. What we're seeing now, everything I just showed you, is reality. Don't get the two confused. And don't let politicians use projections to build political policy when the projections do not match the reality. The risk to New Yorkers for coronavirus is low. And our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives. There's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are a hearty people. Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, mm -hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. There's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. So we're telling New Yorkers, go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life. And certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm gonna be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people, with the American people about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person -person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot, a lot more, more cases. cases. Right, right, because yeah. this is New York and you're in elevators exactly. and trains exactly. with everybody all the time. However, you're taking this uh, pill called the podcast today. This is Lou Benninger, and this is No Hostages Radio, broadcasting from the sparse populated county of Yuba in Northern California. This is our 55th episode, and uh, it would be dated April 18th, 2020. <clears throat> If you need to get a hold of me, you want to give me some feedback, uh, which I was just reading some today before the show, you can reach me at Lou at NoHostagesRadio.com, Lou at NoHostagesRadio.com. You could also uh, look at all our previous podcasts and articles I've written for the Territorial Dispatch at NoHostagesRadio.com, NoHostagesRadio.com. And um, however, you can go to your normal podcast source and grab us at No Hostages Radio. So uh, because I say that because people may have gotten to us in various ways. I post uh, the articles I write. I post in the uh, Territorial Dispatch, which is a weekly publication here in Northern California. It 
covers uh it it uh doesn't cover but it's uh distributed through about four counties up here and uh that comes out on usually now it's hitting the streets on about Thursday so you can look at the articles there as well and if you want to look at them online like i just looked at the uh, uh online uh, website it used to be territorialdispatch.bizbiz but it's now changed because the paper changed ownership and they have a different uh, approach and they've up, updated and changed the look of the paper just a tad and uh, got themselves a new website address. So it's territorialdispatch.com. No more biz.com. So you can go there and you could uh, look at my articles as well if you're interested in or if you're interested in the paper in itself. I don't have anything to do with other than submitting articles. Sometimes people think I owned it or own it or something, but I just s- submit some articles for publication there and uh, for people's uh, entertainment. I hope you're okay. And uh, I know probably everyone, nearly every single person who's listening to this broadcast is not sick because just not many people got sick from the uh, Cerveza flu, and uh, in this two-county area where we are, Yuba Sutter counties, they can't find any sick people. They uh, they've been working at it for a few weeks now, and they have found not forty yet. They haven't gotten to forty yet. They claim two people died, but that's suspect because it's interesting. Once the government lies to you or shades the truth, or spins the facts, What? when do you know it's, they're really speaking the truth? You know, it's like the Aesop's tale, where the boy cried wolf, and the people, the first time he cried wolf, the people passionately, with all their heart, ran to save the flock and him, and he got up there, and they, they he just laughed at them. Remember that? I think he did it a couple times, and then the last time when it was a real case of a wolf attacking, the people said, we're done with you. That's what's happening in the United States. It's already happened with the media. Congress, uh, their uh, approvability rating, if, if that's the right term, I don't even know that that's a word, is down, I think, around 13 or 10 percent. And local politics is as bad. Uh, I just got off the phone with a supervisor who uh, was giving me a critique of his uh, of my article, and I, I actually said, you know, I really don't care whether you like or dislike my articles. Just an opinion piece, my opinion. It's heartfelt. Whether you like it or not doesn't mean a bit one way or the other to me. So uh, we have uh, – we have a. We still have some opportunity here to speak the truth and speak our opinion. And as I told this gentleman, uh, I said, you know something. He's well. You know, it's easy to write about things after a, after we've made our decision. And I said, well, uh, if you want to talk to me before you make your decision, I'll give you my input then as well. But I don't think it'll shade your decision. But I said we always in this country have a right to uh, have an opinion and take a stand on what politicians do that affects our lives. And if you think you haven't just screwed over our lives, you have just screwed over our lives. Many of the businesses 
that uh, in local area here in Yuba Sutter County, probably a thousand or more businesses. Uh, there's probably a couple thousand businesses in these two counties. I don't know the exact number, but I know it's higher than that. Many, many businesses, hundreds of businesses will never reopen. You know why. If you have you have any sense, you've ever run a business, you know what's going on. You have all the insurance payments. You have all the um, all your taxes you're paying. You have your property taxes you're paying. You have your payments on your buildings, your equipment, your everything, computer service, everything. We're just hundreds of thousands. In fact, to one lady I know in Massachusetts who runs a trauma intervention program back there says they have a $100,000 nut to turn in the business that they they own. She said, it's over. It's over. And so you can thank the supervisors for that. And they are, if you don't think they're accountable, they are. They could have said in Sutter County or Yuba County, uh, we are not going to close our businesses. What we're going to do is we're going to do all these safety measures. Stay at home if you are older and you're, or you're feeble or you have bad organs. Your organs aren't working right or you have you already have an ongoing illness. You've been chemoed to, darn near to death or radiated to death because of cancer. All those all those high risk people that if you want to if they say, oh, we like the guy said to me, well, if we save one life, I said, that's bullshit. Because I said, I'm more involved in all the lives, all the people dying around there than any of you supervisors. And none of you have ever went on on uh, on the media and expressed your sympathy for anybody dying every week at the hospital didn't mean it didn't mean make any difference what it died what they died of in fact i said none of you have lost sleep over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that die in this community every year unless they were a relative or a good friend so i said do you remember doing anything last year when we had eighty thousand deaths in the united states over the flu no answer. Why is there no answer? Because these people, listen, you could put a trained dog on that, on that uh, dais, five trained dogs, and get better votes than we get out of the supervisors because they don't think on their own. They don't think on their own. Like I told this guy, I said, if I was on, on one of these boards and I heard what they were saying, my first phone call would have been to my friend, Dr. Cassidy, who has been health officer here for 25 years. I don't care who the health officer is of Yuba County. If she was saying or he was saying, now we have a she. If she was saying, we're going to have to do just what the state does, I would have talked to somebody else. I don't have any problem with going against the state of California. Why? Because you have to be under authority to have authority. And Gavin Newsom, lard hair down there, uh, does not have any respect or uh, have any sense of being in relationship to authority of the federal government. Anytime he wants to violate the law, he violates the law. He violated the law and he married homosexuals. I don't care whether people are homosexual or not. If they want to have sex, however they want to have sex is fine with me. You want to do it with an animal? You know, you want to, you want to have sex with little girls? Hey, it's hey. right now in this country. Almost everything is okay. But to, but to, he violated the law in marrying people that were of the same gender. They still could have lived together. So Gavin Newsom doesn't have respect for law. 
He just has respect for what he wants to do. So when it's when we have border laws, immigration laws that stop people from coming in here illegally, he didn't care about it. In fact, he says, I just read where Gavin Newsom, I refer to him as lard hair. Uh, Gavin Newsom is going to give $150 million to illegals in this country. There's nothing in the law that says he should do that. He he is violating everything about the federal law of this country of protecting our borders. Gavin Newsom, I would never, ever consider, uh, feel under any pressure to obey anything Gavin Newsom wanted to do. Why? Because he doesn't. Why should I be in his authority? He's not under anybody else's authority. And so to him, he's God. That's why he wants to have a nation state. He wants to be like Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, right? Everyone bow before me. Screw him. He's nothing. In fact, he you can't trust this guy. He will screw his best friend's wife. Did you know that? You want to trust some guy that's going to screw your best, his best friend's wife? And now he's going to tell us what we have to do with our lives here? And oh, oh well, he's not gonna he's not gonna cooperate with the United States Border Patrol and ICE and all those kind of things, or he's gonna, you know, he's gonna fund illegals free to do everything, and he's gonna do this and that. You gotta stay. He'll be putting me in jail if he's gonna say you're mandated to stay in your house. Screw him. I'm not gonna stay in my house. If I want to go someplace, I'm gonna go someplace. At some point, you know, any right that you have is no right. You have no right unless you're willing to fight for it. It, it doesn't matter whether it's in the, in the Constitution. You know why there's so little regard for the Constitution by our politicians? Because you have little regard for it. Until you have a regard and you're willing to stand up for it, then they might take it more seriously. I like the fact that the, some of the citizens of Michigan rode into the Capitol and gridlocked the Capitol because their governor is nutso. She's nutso. They should just throw her out on her ear and just go in and throw her papers out the window, all her personal papers. So we are in the midst of a takeover in this country. If you think this is all about just some little, we just have a little bump in the road called a virus. Listen, people, uh, I, I confronted the supervisor. And I'll confront them to any of them to their face. They, when they say they care about a life, that is a lie. That is a, that's a clear lie. They do not care about life. If they did, they would deal with like 72,000 opiate overdoses last year and come up with a new plan. But they're, they're too busy going to eat and uh, rubber chicken at the, at some kind of fundraiser every weekend. Then figuring out that or stopping the uh, venereal diseases we have running rampant or, 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 or all the craziness going on, but they have no clue what they're doing. They just get paid a lot of money for having a very low intelligence on how to, and, and they have no balls, none. I told them that. I'm tired of these people getting up there and they think they're like a Yuba County, for instance. We got a county over here. If you're listening to us from out of state and you've never been up here, we have a county in Yuba County that one year ago, just over one year ago, exactly raised illegally raised a 1% sales tax that's, that's taking $10,000 per month out of the Yuba County taxpayers pockets. And it's going into government. 
on top of all the other stuff going on. We're paying more in Yuba County than anybody else around us. Then they lost in court. We challenged it. They lost in court because, but because of the way the crazy laws are in the state, that money is held in trust until it's settled. But either way it's settled, my understanding is the county gets to keep whatever they've collected. So now that even though they lost in superior court at the county level, they appealed to the appellate court in Sacramento. And who knows when that thing's going to be heard. And so if they think, oh, just like this supervisor from Sutter County says, oh, well, we need to do something. Let me tell you what you could do over in Yuba County that's something. You could drop your appeal and drop the tax and stop draining $10,000 a month from people that are sitting and they cannot even go to work. Stop taking $10,000 a month out of Yuba County. What a total ripoff. And then you had the gall to say, oh, well, we really are concerned about our, our businesses and our, and, our, uh, and our people here. And so what they did is they take a quarter of a million dollars and they gave it out to about a dozen of their little favorite buddies, their little favorite businesses. And they think they really did something. Well, what about all the other businesses that you don't even know their names but they are really hurting, and you can't help them. Why don't you just let the whole thing fall down like it should because you created the problem? You know, it's interesting. No politician wants to take responsibility when things hit the wall. Back when the Marysville City Council decided to get into the real estate business years ago and they started buying up property, and they didn't have any money to buy it, so they floated all these bonds, and they leaned it against the general fund. Sounds Does that sound dangerous already? And so when they bought all this property and then couldn't sell the property, then they had to refinance two times. Now they owe enough money, something like $17 million was the last thing I saw, though they may have reduced it some, but that's 25 years worth of payments on five acres of property. And you know what they said? Well, we didn't. Well, we didn't know that the economy was going to go down when we bought the property. That The big dynamic event here is they shouldn't have been in the property business when they're idiots anyway. None of them knew jack diddly about property. Now we have both boards of supervisors in both counties going into the lending business of, of all things. Now they just think, you know, do, would they lend their own money? No, 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 no. They're just going to lend you and my money, my money. Tax money. One day they're arguing, we don't have enough money to spend. The next day they're giving it away. The next day they're giving it away. One day, we can't, we don't have enough deputies. The next day they're giving a quarter of a million dollars away for three or four months. What if somebody doesn't pay it back? Then then what's going to happen? You know, it's just unbelievable what's going on, people. You think these guys say, oh, now, maybe you're listening if you're an odd liberal or something. I don't even know why you'd be listening to this show. But if, if uh, you know, it's interesting to me that all these guys and gals, a lot of most of them, they say, oh, yeah, we're, we're conservative. Oh, yeah, we're Republican. They never vote that way. They vote liberal welfare state stuff. Their policies are welfare state. Oh, and then they say, oh, well, well, we just had to do it. You know, well, we had to do something. You already did something. You closed down all the business, you closed down all schools. I had to remind a guy today. I said, do you know that Sweden, their schools never shut down? They still going today. 
and they haven't had a huge, huge outbreak there. They had some people sick. You know, you know what they do at schools. The teachers notice the kid's got a runny nose or sick or has a fever, or not feeling so hot, laying his head down on the desk. They send him home. What's that called? Quarantining. They quarantine sick people. I said, I said to the supervisor today, when in the world, what are you thinking? Quarantine completely healthy people. So they can't make a living. They can't do nothing. They just sit around. That is the most crazy, idiotic, asinine. I don't care whether those people have 44 degrees and and they got the alphabet soup after their their name. Stupid is stupid. That is stupid. Destroying people's livelihood. And then you walk away thinking, well, we did the best we could with the information we had. I thought, you know something, you need to look a little broader than just a little health officer gonna and let her r- pull you around by your short hairs. Running businesses. Man, it is so hard to run a small business. I've run a number of them. Some of them were okay, and we made some money, and some of them were just a pain. They were a butt kicker. And it's no fun to risk your time, huge amount of time running your own business and all your own money, and all you get is crap from the government. Crap, 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 crap. Over and over again. Well, we don't like your sign. Well, it's the wrong tone of orange. Well, we don't, you can't have a logo on your sign. Well, the sign's not, it, it just, it needs to be a little higher. Well, the sign, it, it can't be made out of that kind of material. On and on and on. Well, you can't stay open this late. Well, you need to open over here. You need to do this. Well, we, you can't have that parking place. It's just on and on. My, I heard my friend Randy at Uppercuts. He's a barber. And he got a fine from, I heard he got a fine or a ticket or something from the police for, because he, he needs to cut hair. He can't, he can't just stop cutting hair. You got to work. You can't just run people out of business. The government does not have a right to run people out of business. I'm trying to get them to run a heroin operation out of business from next door. I can't get them over here interested in that. But they'll run out a barbershop. They'll run out a beauty salon, a nail operation. Uh, you know, unbelievable. But they'll leave the liquor stores in place. They're going to run churches out of business, but they're going to let an abortion clinic function. They're going to let a liquor store function. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. I'm going to... Uh, if you're new to this, we do six segments, and this is the end of the first one. I'm going to play you a clip on an atheist tells a young girl that there is no God. It's kind of a fun little clip. There's a couple clips here. And the next one is, Can Governors Shut Down State Economies by uh, the Macaulay family? They are specialists on the Constitution. What they're going to say is going to get stuck right in your craw because you don't know crap about the Constitution. We'll be right back. atheist was seated next to a little girl on an airplane, and he turned to her and said, Do you want to talk? Flights go quicker if you strike up a conversation with your fellow passengers. The little girl, who had just started to read her book, 
replied to the total stranger, What would you like to talk about? Oh, I don't know, said the atheist. How about why there is no God, or no heaven or hell, or no life after death? As he smiled smugly. Okay, she said. Those could be interesting topics, but let me ask you a question first. A horse, a cow, and a deer all eat the same stuff, grass. Yet a deer excretes little pellets, while a cow turns out a flat patty, but a horse produces clumps. Why do you suppose that? The atheist, visibly surprised by the little girl's intelligence, thinks about it and says, Hmm, I have no idea. To which the little girl replies, Do you really feel qualified to discuss God, heaven and hell, or life after death, when you don't know shit? <laughs> Today, President Trump posted on social media, some in the fake news media are saying that it is the governor's decision to open up the states, not that of the president of the United States and the federal government. Let it be fully understood that this is incorrect. It is the decision of the president, and for many good reasons. Well, to clarify, nowhere in the Constitution is the president given the authority to regulate commerce, let alone intrastate commerce. An American president is not an autocrat. Put a finer point on it, the media he is criticizing are also incorrect because governors are not the autocrats of their states either. However, as of last week, eight Minnesotans have been charged with violating Governor Tim Walz's stay-at-home order, an offense that could earn them up to 90 days in jail and a $1,000 fine. To make matters worse, the Walls administration currently maintains a hotline that citizens can use to report each other for disobeying his orders. David Schuster was arrested after police discovered him playing cards with three friends in the closed bar that he owns with the doors locked, according to the Star Tribune. Residents in Riverside County, California, are now required to wear face coverings and could face a fine of $1,000 per violation per day if the mandate is ignored. Hello, I'm Riverside County Sheriff Chad Bianco. Recently, the county's public health officer issued an order expanding on the stay-at-home order given by Governor Newsom. This is a valid order and enforceable by fine, imprisonment, or both. According to CBS Los Angeles, LA Mayor Eric Garcetti stated, if any non-essential businesses continue to operate in violation of the stay-at-home order, we are going to act to enforce the safer at-home order and ensure their compliance. The mayor's office confirmed that many businesses had been visited and referred for misdemeanor filings. You know the old expression about snitches? Well, in this case, snitches get rewards. We want to thank you for turning folks in and making sure we are all safe. The consistencies that I am seeing with the mentality of executive power on international, federal, state, and local levels is that these officers can unilaterally act and declare orders without consent of the lawmaking bodies in their geographic regions. This is not Republican. It is despotic and it is unconstitutional on all levels from president to your local mayor. No matter what level of government we are speaking about, an executive order is only legally applicable when used to execute existing laws. No authority is given to a president, governor, sheriff, or mayor to make law. Uniformly across America, lawmaking responsibility is given to democratically elected legislatures and councils. 
Most of these jurisdictions have a specified process for the declaration of an emergency, which requires emergency action in the legislative body, not executive orders that are binding for extended periods of time. It was President Thomas Jefferson who declared, The greatest danger to American freedom is a government that ignores the Constitution. The key to answering my title question is reading your own state constitution and or county charters and identifying the powers given to the executive branches of your respective state. They will be listed. If their actions go beyond their delegated authorities, then you will know your executive is acting unconstitutionally. That is to say, illegally. This is Jake McCauley. And Dominic McCauley. With the Institute on the Constitution bringing you The American View. Welcome back. Uh, all right. I just want to go over a few things I picked up this week that I thought were were uh, mentally stimulating. Uh, this is a, a comment by someone that's, that attributed it to Newsom, but I think it's what he thinks Newsom would say. He says, I'll treat coronavirus like any business and chase it right out of California. There you have it. There's another one here uh, regarding we're up here in the fishing area. We In Yuba County, we have two rivers come through here, the Yuba and Feather River. We have lots of fishing, good fishing. We have lots of lakes up in Yuba County. And uh, there's a big issue over whether you can actually go fishing while the coronavirus was lurking around. And uh, so this person put, here's a number to report people fishing and enjoying the outdoors. It's 1-800-I'm-a-Nazi. So that's good. Uh, it's interesting to me. I've heard over the years, I've read some about Nazi Germany, about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is a, uh, a leading uh, theologian in Germany at that time. He, ch- he could have fled and gone to come to America. People wanted to escort him out, get him out, because they thought he was going to end up in trouble and get killed. Uh, but he, he said he was not going to leave the country. He loved Germany, and he was going to fight to change it. Um, but it's interesting to me how we're so quick to criticize the church in Germany. Oh, well, they just stood by and let train load after train load of, uh, of Jewish people in cattle cars go to Auschwitz and uh, these various uh, gas chambers and uh, Dachau and such and such. And they just did nothing. Those terrible Christians. Oh, how obviously they didn't know God, those terrible Christians. They just stood right by and let those trains go one after another. They knew those people. Where did they think their friends, their Jewish friends, were going, by by the way? They just disappeared off the streets, never to be seen again. Did they just think they went? They were raptured or something? No, millions of... How do you, like, miss millions of people? How do you miss that many? So we, we're all so hard on the German church at that time, right? And then we're all so hard on the, the Nazi military, right? Have you heard these... Have you heard these testimonies? Have you ever uh, read about the uh, the questioning of some of these SS officers that murdered all these people? And, uh, of course, it was war, right? Lots of people were getting killed on both sides of all different flavors, Russians, French, Italians, Americans, all kinds of people. 
And uh, so these these Nazis who were being interviewed, like, well, how could you just kill off all these people? He said, well, because that's what we are ordered to do. Very simple. You know, I, it's just like I didn't. It was war. So, you know, we just women, children, the whole thing. They told us we needed to kill them, put them in that ditch and just bury them, shoot them in there and then just push the dirt over them. Mass graves. Uh, you know, if you if you look into Pol Pot in Cambodia or the Chinese or over there in uh, Serbia, Croatia and all those, uh, it doesn't matter where you look. People will see say the same thing. Well, we didn't. We just didn't think about it. We we thought, hey, we had to do what we were told. Now, I want you to compare that with what's going right on in your county. Well, we, you know, the the health the state health officer said we had to do this. And, the, well, the governor had to say, well, then the deputy, the, the sheriff of our county said we had to do this. And the supervisors, they all voted on it. And we, we had to just, we had to run, we had to take their business. We had to, we had to tell them. They, they couldn't stay there anymore. They, they went out of business. We forced them out of business. You, you actually forced them out of business. You told them they couldn't go there anymore or you're going to arrest them. In Los Angeles, uh, Mayor Garcetti said that they were going to turn the utilities and the water off to businesses who continued to operate. Why would they continue to operate? Because they just had a habit to being a workaholic? No, they couldn't because they knew they're going to lose everything, Right. They were sneaking out trying to do something because they're going to lose everything if they didn't work. Do you think that supervisors give a crap? That supervisors do not give a damn in either one of these counties. Oh, they get all upset. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We we care. We care. We care. Do you think you'll hear from them six months from now? You think You think they'll take out of their salary <clears throat> and help some of these businessmen just right out of their pockets? You know, that's what's that's what's insidious about the government welfare program before government welfare. In fact, everything was better before government took over anything before government took over schools. We have a higher literacy rate before government took over welfare. We had a better welfare system. Who did it? People took care of people. People helped people. But people wouldn't help people if they wouldn't if they weren't willing to help themselves. If they want to do stupid stuff and take the money and go buy opium or cocaine, or booze, they wouldn't give them money again, right? If they wanted to do stupid stuff, they wouldn't continue to fund it. But now we fund it. So now the government thinks, well, the government's going to take care of them. Well, we, all we could do was take the $250,000. It's all we could help is 12 of them. And those people, we know we know those reputable people. We don't know about all these other people out there in the community. It takes too long to figure out who they were. And besides, I know John. I know John Buckland, like he's a good guy and everything, except when he fights Yuba County sheriffs out there at the casino. But he's a really nice guy, and you know he he did okay. Fine, John Buckland, you may maybe you have sex with John Buckland. I don't know, but what about all the rest of the people? What about what about the four hundred, five hundred thousand families that are ruined because of your deal that you uh, that you don't know, but they're really fine people. And you just screwed them over. You just totally screwed them over. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's devilish is what it is. It isn't just a bad decision. It's evil. What what happened here is evil in this community. It says quarantine is when you restrict the movement of sick, pe- sick people. I had Dr. Cassidy tell me, he said, Lou, the only time I ever had to uh, quarantine someone 
and he said, you know, he said, if this, if the, uh, if health officer Fong Lu, if she decides to arrest somebody, the, the district attorney and the sheriff have to do it. That's state law. It's pretty strong. I didn't know that. He said, yep. He said, the county health officer has a lot of power when there's health issues at stake. So he said, I only had to use that one time. I had a guy that was a, a drunk that was, um, had tuberculosis and I had to isolate him. He had to stay in his house and take the medicine and he wouldn't do it. So finally I picked him up one down the side of the road and he said, uh, I'm going to give you a ride. And he got in the car. So he took him to jail and locked him up for a year and he gave him his tuberculosis pills, saved his life and then sent him home. Quarantine is when you restrict the movement of a sick person. The key, the key idea here, supervisors, is that gentleman that was drunk walking down the road was sick with tuberculosis and the doctor saved his life. The doctor and the supervisors didn't save Lou Benninger's life. You didn't say, oh, well, we would do anything to save a, one life. No, you wouldn't. You don't do jack. You just do your political thing and people die here every day. And you don't care about it. You don't go to all the funerals. You don't send money to all the people because life is life and death is death. People come to pass. People come into being and then they come to pass. And we don't have a big meltdown about any particular one unless it's our people. We're close to them. We know them. We have a relationship with them. Then then it touches us. But we kind of understand that people are going to come to pass. In fact, the other day, a, a guy's... Uh, Several family family members died in a car accident. It was horrible. I, I I heard about it. It was in our community. Two little children died. It was horrible. Everybody should have been touched by that that read it, even if they didn't know the people. It's just a big tragedy. I noticed that not one horse showed up in town. I did not notice anybody riding horses. No one turned in their cars. Everybody kept driving around town. Oh, my God, will you, wouldn't you think we would stop driving when we, we, we stopped driving? Because, you know, the, the person rode on, ran off the road and into the ditch of water. Nobody took up horses. Nobody took up bicycles. Nobody took up walking instead of cars because of those people died. We accepted the risk of driving. We accept a lot of risk. And all of a sudden now we're not going to accept a risk. That a cold with a bad with a bad chest option to it, if it gets funky on you, all of a sudden we're going to hide from every ailment that is declared in the United States. That's a good way to have communism. Just stay in your house. Listen, people. I some of you need to go visit some communist countries because they do facial re, facial face recognition or facial recognition where they will check you and you they'll say, oh, you can't come over into this city. You're not welcome here. You need to be over there. Or you can't go into this part of this city because you don't have a good so social score. Let me tell you, I'll tell you, my social score would be in the pit if it starts here. Right? Already, if you disagree with just this local little piddly-ass government here, they'll, they'll lean against you financially. If they can. And they'll work against you, these politicians. And the people that kiss up to them, they will give them money. 
They will give your tax money. That's just what they did the other day. They gave away our tax money to people that they like, that they approve of. And the people, and so you think, well, you mean they didn't approve all the others? I think they would approve of quite a few of the business in the town, but they just picked the, they picked their favorites. That's called crony capitalism. The founding fathers hated it. And, and the, they knew it would happen if government got big enough where they take a lot of your money and then they decide who to give it back to. Do you think you can control people by taking a lot of their money and then decide who to give it back to? Yeah, you can get people to kiss up to everybody. Your DNA, you better get ready to put a lot of DNA on people's backsides. Otherwise, you're not going to get your way in this community. And that's why that's why a lot of these supervisors and uh, people get involved. It has nothing to do with public service. It has to do with self-service. That's why guys like Dan Flores, supervisor in Sutter County, and um, some of these other people get on these committees and then they they dish themselves out low interest loans. Crystal Martin is another one. She she runs campaigns, so she knows where the money is. So they just get tight with the people who have the purse strings, and then they get the money from them for their little pet projects or for covering their own business. They get loans for their own business, cheap cheaper loans than you and I could get. Do you think that's fair? No, it isn't fair. It's called evil. The Bible calls that evil. It doesn't call that is. It doesn't call well. You know, da, da, da. no. It just calls it evil. Yeah, when it's unfair. It's like uh, my dad used to. Uh, my dad was a butcher, and so he, he people would say, "Can I have a pound of this and two pounds of that or three pounds of that?" It was a. It was a. It wasn't self serve. It was personal service. So they would they would weigh out the amount of hamburger or steak or whatever whatever or hot dogs or lunch meat or whatever, and they'd weigh it. And he, he showed me one day, he says, this is how butchers cheat. I said, how, how do they cheat? He said, they, they put their thumb on the scale. So it shows from the customer side a certain amount of weight, but that's not actually the weight of the meat on the scale. You're behind the scale. They can't see you, so you're just you put your finger on the scale and cause it to read a little bit more than it is, and so you're actually cheating them. Even though they're looking at eighty five cent per pound or something, they're actually paying eighty five cents for more pounds that aren't there on the scale. That's cheating. The Bible talks about uh, illegal weights, and it talks about it being evil. That's when people show favoritism. That's why the founding fathers did not want a big government so it would tempt people because they knew the heart of human beings was, as the Bible says, wicked. People's heart is, hearts are wicked. And so the less uh, waiver room or flexibility you give them, the heart of man and woman, the better off you are. So government, we don't want government involved in business. And if we don't want business involved in government, what does business do? They go in and they pay off the people. They're called lobbyists. And right now in this big, big deal where they're dishing out all this money, they're going to have all these stimulus packages. Who do you think's getting this money? Well, we got we got money going. Planned Parenthood is going to get some of that money. The Kennedy Center got something like twenty five or thirty five million, supposedly to keep the Kennedy Center run, running. What'd they do with it? They laid off all their musicians. 
So it wasn't just about surviving. Everybody's getting it. It's called a pork. Lots of pork in there. So people just are paying off their friends. That's exactly what our supervisors do local. They take care of their good buddies. That's what they do. It's evil. It isn't like uncool. It's not just uncool or that isn't. It isn't just because it's not right. It's evil, people. It's evil. It's evil. It's evil. Uh, and it isn't just like, well, you know, that's what, you know, it's a welfare state. No, no, it's evil. And the same thing, if you give money to people indiscriminately, you take money from one person that's a hardworking person and you give it money to somebody else who doesn't want to work, that's evil. That That is evil. And that's what the government does. Tyranny is when you restrict the movement of healthy people. That's just what you did, folks. We got tyranny here. We got tyranny. We got tyranny. And we got more coming. We got more coming. Because why? Because you just tolerate it. Because you just tolerate it. This one I saw this week. Donald Trump is a businessman who became president and has proven how useless politicians really are. That's why they hate him. Don't you, don't you think that's true? That's why they hate him. I, I just have imagined politician after politician of either persuasion behind that dais in this crisis or in many of the crises that he's faced already. And I thought, for God's sake, we are screwed. We are really screwed in this country. This is kind of funny. Corona isn't Trump's fault. Ebola wasn't Obama's fault. SARS wasn't Bush's fault, and only a handful of cases of herpes was Clinton's fault. That's sad. That's sad. We we got we got a, a like I told the supervisor. I said, "What kind of supervisors are you that let let a molester sit on that board and you just overlook it? You don't care about people molesting people. You just you just look the other way. Got a molester sitting next to you." Bless young girls. New Jersey governor. This is what our supervisors did, folks. The Eubin Sutter County supervisors. You can let if the shoe fits out there in Missouri or Texas or wherever you're listening from, Oregon, Washington. If the shoe fits where? New Jersey governor Phil Murphy says, I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously, Phil, I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when he did this. We looked at all the data and the science. That's exactly what the supervisor said to me. It's a good old boy around here. You think he's conservatives all get out. You think he loves Jesus and loves America. America. I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when I did this. We were looking at all the data. Like these guys are scientists or something over there at the supervisors. And the science and it says people have to stay away from each other. Oh yeah, let's like let's get it on. Let's like let's let's like shut down all the church. Did you ever think the church? You know, I've been doing this church thing for forty years, almost fifty years. I wasn't raised in church. My my family didn't know Jack Diddley about Jesus, and uh, so to me, 
all the church like, oh, we're flexing our muscles. Oh, we're like gonna, we're like gonna march. We're like gonna go to the Washington Memorial. Oh yeah, we're gonna sign a petition. Most of you church people, you can't even get your ducks lined up to register to vote. You're the most pitiful group of people I've ever met. In fact, most pastors I wouldn't even want to have lunch with. They're the most boring, lackadaisical, spineless folks I've ever met in my life. It's pitiful. It's amazing to me how little it took for the churches to just fold. That's exactly what they did. Folks. Oh, yeah, we're going to like the church is everywhere. Oh, yeah, the church is outside the walls. Oh, yeah, the church, the church, the church. Oh, yeah, well, we, we, well, God is everywhere. Well, thank you for reminding me. It, I've been doing this for 50 years. That was the first time I've ever heard that. that God is everywhere. That's just shocking to me. I thought he was inside our church. Like he came out of a closet every every weekend and like hang around with everybody, squeezed everybody and stuff. The church is everywhere and we don't need buildings and we don't need, well, well why don't we just eliminate? Like I don't, to me, the most boring thing in the world is watching some preacher guy and usually you're looking up his nose so you see all his nose hairs and stuff or it's just they're so hokey at their videoing. I would never watch a service on TV anyway. Some of these local services are like, I thought, oh, well, I'm glad I don't go to that church. Is that what he says on the weekends? You know, it's now the word's getting out, right? Like I was saying the other week, the fact that a lot of these liberal college professors don't want their classes to go online because then people can actually critique the crap that they're actually dishing off and paying they're having to their their kids are paying 40 grand a year their parents are paying 40 grand a year for that i'm listening to this guy right now i'm paying for that right there <laughs> some some church people are gonna from other church or from the community say man i ain't going to that church man that's ridiculous what they're saying right there we're gonna be right back let's see we're finish our second clip here our second uh segment and uh and this is talking about kind of what i was already talking about the lobbyist gold rush during the corona virus epidemic and then the state crackdown on churches and um check it out we'll be right back tired, unhappy break down the government they don't congress just passed the largest stimulus package in history it won bipartisan approval and offers workers and businesses much needed relief there's just one problem K Street lobbyists played a major role in writing the bill. Some aides have compared the lobbying frenzy around the stimulus bill to a gold rush. The only industry that hasn't been slowed down by the virus is the lobbying industry, said one representative. The new bill gives $500 billion to major industries across America. As Congress deliberated the bill, their phones were ringing off the hook and their inboxes were flooded with emails from lobbyists. Some politicians even got personal calls from CEOs of major companies. From the candy industry to alcohol beverage producers, sneaker companies, and more, every industry wanted a piece of the stimulus pie. Aggressive lobbying came from groups directly impacted by the crisis, like the restaurant and airline industries, as well as industries trying to sneak in unrelated policies. Meanwhile, the accountability measures put in place are full of loopholes. Corporations that receive government aid are not allowed to buy back their own stock shares to artificially increase their value. 
but only for a year after receiving the loans. And the Treasury Secretary can waive this ban for certain businesses, but will have to first appear before Congress to explain his decision. The law also creates a special inspector general to oversee the Treasury loans and establishes a bipartisan oversight committee tasked with protecting taxpayer dollars. But it lacks real enforcement power. All of this just points to the desperate need for tougher lobbying restrictions and strong anti-corruption laws to protect the American people so that special interests can't use a national emergency to push through their own agendas. Congress needs to focus on the needs and demands of the American people during this crisis. Join the movement to end political corruption. www.represent.us Like millions of other Christians across the country and the world, I attended an Easter Sunday service yesterday at my church. And in the era of COVID-19, places of worship have had to get really creative in how they hold church services. For the first time yesterday, our church, which has been streaming their services online, held a drive-in service where we all gathered in the parking lot and streamed the pastor in through our radios. It was definitely a little different. Know what else was different? The fact that I've been attending church for some 30 plus years and for the first time that I can recall, a police officer was sitting across the street watching and monitoring us to make sure we were complying with the state's new rules. You know why some people are starting to be concerned that their religious liberties are being threatened? Because their religious liberties are being threatened and it has got crap diddly to do with a virus. At least one Mississippi church is now suing after its congregants were given tickets for meeting for drive-in services over the past week. According to the Delta Democrat Times, Temple Baptist Church in Greenville, Mississippi, has been holding the parking lot services in their church since the coronavirus outbreak precluded them from meeting in the building in person. But because many of their members are elderly and have trouble live streaming services online in their homes, the church has begun holding these drive-in services, transmitting the pastor's message through low-frequency FM radio into congregates' cars as they gather, with the windows rolled up and spaced appropriately apart throughout the church parking lot. It's a creative way to deal with being shut down during this pandemic. But then last Wednesday night, worshippers said police showed up to this service and told everyone to leave, then began handing out $500 tickets to everyone who refused, saying the church was reportedly violating a local ordinance that prohibited religious gatherings, even drive-in services, during this shutdown. In Louisville, Kentucky, Mayor Greg Fisher also tried to block churches from holding these drive-in services, saying that law enforcement would show up and record the license plate numbers of anyone who attended, then turn them into local health departments and order them to quarantine for 14 days. A judge had to overturn that rule and explain to this mayor that this unjustly targets churches because apparently that wasn't obvious. Never mind that drive-in services are well within the CDC's guidelines for social distancing. When the government says that you can be let out of jail and stop by the liquor store on your way to take your girlfriend to get an abortion, and all of those things are considered essential during this pandemic, but churchgoers are being handed tickets for sitting in their cars listening to their pastors on the radio, that is an outright attack on religious freedom. That's not about protecting people from a virus. They're sitting in their vehicles, separated by more than six feet and several layers of glass. That's just picking on churches. That's making sure that they cannot meet together, no matter how socially distant they're trying to be. 
In the past four weeks, I've shopped in several crowded grocery stores. I've sat in long lines at drive-thrus. I've stood in line for takeout. I've searched for a parking spot at a jam-packed Lowe's. And I've driven by more than a few very full liquor stores. And never once did I see a cop sitting there monitoring anyone until yesterday at church, where everyone was in their vehicle with their windows rolled up. This is not about a virus, because no one was going to catch it in that parking lot, any more than they'd catch it at the drive-thru at McDonald's that the state was not bothering to creep all on. It makes no sense. For that matter, telling gun stores that they have to shut down while the abortion clinics are still open, like in California, makes no sense. Telling people they can go to the store to buy liquor, but not clothes or books for their kids, like in Vermont, makes no sense. Saying you can go get takeout from Chipotle, but you can't travel from your house to your own vacation home, like in Michigan, makes no sense. None of these regulations that are supposedly keeping us safe make any sense. They're not about a virus. They are about government control. The virus is the conduit for this fear. But mark my words, it is not nearly the biggest threat. This land of broken dreams. I have visions of many things. Happiness is just an illusion. Filled with sadness and confusion. What becomes of the broken All right, here we go again. So, Governor of New Jersey. Phil Murphy, I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when I did this. When do when do they actually ever think of the Bill of Rights? Do you think that the Yuba County supervisors, when they decide to put on an illegal tax, thought of the Bill of Rights or the Constitution that says that you cannot take the taxpayers' money to lobby against them to pay more taxes? Very clear. In fact, I'm not a lawyer, and when stuff makes sense to me that I read, that's supposed to be really legalese, I think, oh, I think I got it right because I understood it. It's very clear that the government cannot take your money to lobby against you and convince you to give more of your money to them. That's a violation of your free speech. But our supervisors voted unanimously to do just that, and then they turned around and said, well, you know, we're just trying to pay the sheriff's step. You know, in other words, the, the Constitution is only good when they want to dip into it. Like when they want to say, I took an oath to defend the Constitution. Well, what's a defend the Constitution? Oh, well, I'm not quite sure what that means. Maybe if somebody's going to steal it off my desk, the book, the Constitution. I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights, said Bill or Philly. Oh, Phil, Phil Murphy. I wasn't thinking about thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. Did what, Phil? You mean screw up everybody's lives? Bankrupt everybody? Shove everybody into a little cave for three weeks? While the death angel came over? We looked at all the data and the science, and it says people have to stay away from each other. Well, my God, why don't we just go humanitarian and secular and anti-God, and just let the scientists do this. Well, let's see. We used a model to figure out how many people were going to die, how fast they're going to die, and if we don't do something, this this many people. The Imperial College said they're going to have a half million people die over there in Germany or in uh, England. And how many do they have? It's less than twenty thousand. Their model. That was their model. 
Well, we were just following the models, following the leader, the blind. Jesus said the blind will lead the blind. If if the blind lead the blind, they'll both end up in the ditch. We are in the ditch, folks. The model, you remember the first models? One model said a couple million people are going to die. Then they got it down to 100 to 200,000. Now are we down below 60,000? Well, now, well, yeah, it was, well, man, it was because of the mitigations. It was because of all of you, all of you out there, all of you that had been wearing a mask. Did you know those masks don't do jack diddly about keeping that virus off you? You didn't understand that? And you've been staying all apart, and you've been, like, in your house being miserable. You watched your years of toil trying to build a small business. It's gone. You're screwed. Yeah, just threw that bill of that. Well, we just you know this. We only follow the bill of rights when it's it's easy to do, not in an emergency. We can't do it in an emergency. What the hell? That's something that happened hundreds of years ago. We can't we can't be bothered with the bill of rights. This so this this showed up on the internet. It's a little long, but I'm going to read it because it's how stupid this whole thing is. Basically. You can't this. These are the official coronavirus guidelines. Basically, you can't leave the house for any reason. But if you have to, then you can. Masks are useless, but maybe you you have to wear one. Uh, If you maybe you have to wear one, it can save you. It is useless, but maybe it's mandatory as well. Stores are closed except for those that are open. You should not go to hospitals unless you have to go. Same applies for doctors. You should go, only go there in a case of emergency, provided provided you are not too sick. This virus is deadly, but it's not too scary, except that sometimes it actually leads to a global disaster. Gloves won't help, but they can help in some situations. Everyone needs to stay home, but it's important to get out. There's no shortage of groceries in the supermarket, but there are many things missing when you go there in the evening but not in the morning, sometimes. Number nine, the virus has no effect on children except those it affects. Number 10, animals are not affected, but there is still a cat that tested positive in Belgium in February when no one has, had been tested, but plus a few tigers here and there. 11, you'll have many symptoms when you are sick, but you can also get sick without having symptoms, or you could have symptoms without being sick, or be contagious without having symptoms. Oh, well, number 12, in order not to get sick, you have to eat well and exercise, but eat whatever you want, but eat whatever you have on hand, and it's better than than to go out. Well, not quite sure what to tell you. Number 13, it's better to get some fresh air, but you get looked at it very, very wrong, like you're very wrong when you get some fresh air, and most importantly, you don't go to parks or walk. But don't sit down, except that you can do that now if you're really old, but not for too long, or if you're pregnant, but not too old. Number 14, you can go to retirement. You can't go to retirement homes, but you have to take care of the elderly and bring food and medication. Number 15, if you're sick, you can't go out, but you can go to the pharmacy. 
Number 16, you can get restaurant food delivered to the house, which may have been prepared by people who didn't wear masks or gloves. But you have to have your groceries decontaminated outside for three hours. Pizza, too. Number 17, every disturbing article or disturbing interview starts with, I don't want to trigger panic, but... Number 18, you can see your old... Older grandmother or mother, but you can take, you can't see them. You can't see the older mother or grandmother, but you can take a taxi and meet an older taxi driver. You can walk around with a friend, but not with your family if they don't live under the same roof. You are safe if you maintain the appropriate social distance, but you can't go out with friends or strangers at the safe social distance. Like when I go to try to take somebody to get something to eat after we go to a church meeting, which is illegal, we stop at in and out or some like Antonio's over here, and you can't sit down anywhere, like even if you had six feet apart. So you go back and eat it in a car where you're one foot apart or two feet apart. Number 21, the virus remains active on different surfaces for two hours, no four hours, no six hours. We didn't say hours, maybe days. But it takes a damp environment. Oh, no, not necessarily. The virus stays in the air. Well, no, or yes, maybe, especially in a closed room. In one hour, a sick person can infect 10. So if it falls, all our children were already infected at school before it was closed. But remember, if you stay at the recommended social distance, however, in certain circumstances, you should maintain a greater distance, which studies show the virus can travel further, maybe. 23, we we count the number of deaths, but we don't know how many people are infected as we have only tested so far those who were almost dead to, to find out if that's what they will die of. Number 24, we have no treatment, except that there may be one that apparently is not dangerous unless you take too much, which is the case with all medications, right? Number 25 and, and the final one. We, we should stay locked up until the virus disappears, but it will only disappear if we achieve collective immunity. So when it circulates, well, but we must no longer be locked up for that to happen. Hmm. Well, so we've got chaos going on, and we've got, uh, we're probably going to have some confrontations over the church. And there's a, a message from, uh, there was a, a Mississippi incident at a Baptist church down there, I believe, uh, where the parishioners were a lot of old folks, been to go in that church for years, and they weren't tech savvy. They didn't have a smartphone. They didn't have computers, a lot of them, so they couldn't do the online streaming. So they decided to create a little low-voltage FM broadcast that would reach across their property. So people drove to church in their, in their car and sat in their car, which is fine because we drive to the grocery store. We drive to doctor's appointments. We do a lot of stuff. We can drive in a car. So they drove and sat in their car and the cars were separated, socially distanced properly. And so they just tuned in to the right station and they could listen to the church service all together at the church property that was uh incorrect 
They filed an action against the church. They fined them $500 a piece, and they're going to shut down the whole operation. Then, it's like, you know how there's been these live streaming, and there's been these little worship groups, and you've, you're reminded on how crappy some of this church worship music is. Like, say, Jesus, help that person. Like, pipe in the, the Brooklyn Tabernacle or something and say that's your, you know, how would the person know whether that's your church or not? Just pipe in at the Brooklyn Tabernacle and let that be the church. Uh, anyway, so now they're saying, because we're singing and we're spitting, I guess, we're letting the virus out of our mouths, and even if we have woodwind instruments, we're polluting the atmosphere, and so people are going to get sick. So now they're saying you can't have music at these services. You could just have a lecture. So Albert Mahler, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, said, During this crisis, government governments must determine what services are essential to society and those that can be suspended in order to spread, slow the spread of the virus, Mahler wrote. However, we have a major problem when governments indicate that liquor stores and pet stores are essential, but religious services are not. When government, when governments assert that abortions are essential, but singing in a streamed worship service is just too unsafe and non-essential, then we have slipped into a complete spending of the, excuse me, complete upending of the American constitutional order. Government should never be in the position to derail any religious ministry and deem it non-essential. That is, on its face, completely unconstitutional. But none of these people care about the Constitution because it only works when we don't need it to work. We only need it to... We, don't, we can't pay attention to it when it's really tough. We need to be able to pay, take people's rights away from them. Stay in your house. What are you doing outside? Shut up. We're coming for you. That's exactly what happens in Vietnam and China. That's exactly what happens. You post anything, you say anything. Those first doctors that, that were so freaked out about the corona, they, they let it out of the they let the tiger out of the zoo over there in Wuhan, folks. It wasn't the little seafood market. It was a lie. It was another Chinaman lie. They lied, 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 lied. Covered up, put it off, and then they finally let it, let it out of the bag after it was too, too long and it was spreading all over the world because Chinese were flying into all these countries. Did you, you probably don't understand why it went from China into Europe so uh, successfully. Do you know? Look up and you got to do a little, just a little bit of reading, right? Just a little bit of reading. And uh, look up on Google, Google Belt and Road Initiative. Belt like the belt on your pants, road like the one you're driving on, Belt and Road Initiative. And you're going to read all about what China's philosophy is about taking over the world. And that is to get at least starting with a hundred countries close to them that they will offer lots of money if they could buy out a lot of their businesses and get a uh, stake in their country 
And so the big areas in Europe that got really sick really quick are all the Belt and Road partners of China, Spain, Italy. Check it out. Check it out. You don't have to believe my word. In fact, you don't have to believe anything I'm telling you. Uh, You can look it up yourself. So, uh, yeah, this Monterey County in California, by the way, is threatening churches in Mont. Uh, sorry, not Monterey, Mendocino. It's an M, still M word. Mendocino County, and that's in Northern California. If you're new to California, it's a very beautiful county. Just hangs right over the ocean, loaded with redwood trees. It's just like beautiful, loaded with hippies and dope smokers. Real liberal over there. Well, the Mendocino County Board of Supervisors, these guys are so bright and so intelligent. They study the Constitution over there. Said, damn it, no singing or use of wind instruments, harmonicas, or other things that you can spit through. I added that. Or other instruments that could spread COVID-19 through projected droplets shall be permitted Unless the recording of the event is done at one's own resident where you can rec- then you can spit all you want and you can you can spit all you want on your own people and involving only the members of one's household or living unit because of the increased risk of covid nineteen we so in other words, unless your worship team is all of one family, one bloodline. You're screwed if you want to have a live stream operation. Now, can you see how a, how colorful and imaginative the, these boards of supervisors can get about coming up with rules? Pretty soon they'll have rules where we all wear the same clothes, where they button right up at the neck. And it's easier then because then people that don't have the money to buy really nice clothes don't feel bad. You just get all issued the same type of garment in your size and you get a little cap and then you all look the same and, and nobody feels bad when you're out in public. Nobody likes it. Oh, that, that dress doesn't fit her. Right. Or, or who does she think she is wearing that, that dress or that, where'd she get the money to buy that? Right. We can eliminate all that. If we just all wore the same clothes and had a little uniform, I've seen it in countries before, you know, if you don't get out much, you don't see this, but I've seen this, Beijing, when I went, used to go to Beijing, right in 1989, 1990, they, they were dressed like that. Very few people in any other. They all wore these little outfits. And I'm sure they had good reasons to, to do it. In fact, why don't we just make a rule, Yubin Sutter supervises that people, even after this is all over, can only leave their house three or four days a week. And the rest of the time, they got to stay locked up because you never know they might spread something. Cooties. We got that damn cooties. Cooties, cooties, cooties. Cooties. Nobody's ever thought that God gave us an immune system to deal with it. And sometimes, like uh, Dr. Shiva, if you watch any of Shiva's stuff on the Internet, pretty much says, you stupid Westerners, why don't you, like, take care of your immune system and then you wouldn't worry about all the stuff floating that you can't see. Cooties, cooties, cooties. So we're just shutting down these churches. I am just... I'm fascinated. I, you know, I took, I used to take sociology classes when I was going to college. Didn't know what I was doing there, but I was smoking the weed, dealing drugs and going to college classes. Cause my parents said, Lou, we don't have anybody in our family that graduated from college. Why don't you be the first one? I thought, Oh, well, I'll go to college. 
Either that or I could go to Saigon and go to Vietnam. Back then, I thought, oh, maybe I'll just go to college for a while, see what it's at. I didn't have any idea what I was doing, but I took sociology classes. And I thought it was so fascinating, fascinating on why people did. I learned why people did what they did. And I would have never dreamed in all these years that the church would be so easily knocked right off its little pulpit, its little box that it stands to preach from. I would have never guessed that overnight they could just simply make the church impotent completely. No, no fuss, no muss. We got people arguing with each other, cussing each other out, going on Facebook as this or a big theologian throwing spiritual grenades at each other. Oh yeah. It's just like a total, it's like a total meltdown. You know, it says, it takes somebody really intelligent to build a barn. Any old jackass can kick one down. And I'm telling you, we got some jackasses out there kicking barns down. Let's get it on. Let's get it over with quick. Let's just see how it all shakes out. Somebody's asking me what I was talking to a guy in Canada this, this weekend. He's asking me what was going on down here. I said, I'm watching the church meltdown right now. <laughs> I'm watching the church just totally melt down. And, the, you know, it's interesting. The Bible says it's going to happen. But you always wonder why or how. Not why, but how, right? How's it going to happen? Somebody going to make a decree? No more church? No, all they did is have to address gatherings. <laughs> it's gatherings. Wait till they, I saw in Taiwan or some other country, they're having sports again, but they they had fake robots. These robots are these, the crowd is is fake. There's not any people in the stands, but there's cheering and all this baloney. I just saw this is unbelievable what's going on. Like, I, I'm i glad I get to see this. I, I just, I would have never predicted it. You know, some of these churches I thought were a waste of time and money. They got a pretty big crowd coming, but it's just like a club. I just thought, I wonder what's going to happen when the shit has a, hits a fan. And now I know. I I always thought I, thought I just don't want to be judgmental, you know. But I think that thing, this place I'm going to, it's not going to be standing here. This this group ain't going to be hanging. It's just like happy time, happy time on Sunday, and uh, it ain't going to be hanging. So uh, I'd rather be running with some recovered drug addicts and this this easy doing church folks. Uh, these people are gnarly, been slept on the streets, and they're will, they're willing to fight a battle once they get on to Jesus. All right, we're going to come right back. We're our, we're about halfway through here. Let's see. Okay, um, more on uh, COVID nineteen, and uh, we'll be right back. pandemic has started to bring up just as many questions as it has answers. But apparently, if you dare to question what you're being told, you are just a conspiracy theorist who wants everyone to die. Well, I have a few questions about all of this. In fact, millions of Americans do. And if we're going to be told to hide in our homes, cowering in fear while millions lose their jobs and can't feed their kids, you better believe we have the right to question that. And you can call it what you want to. So here we go. 
Now, it's an indisputable fact that this is a bad virus. It's well documented that it disproportionately affects the elderly and those with pre-existing conditions. For people with compromised immune systems, it can easily be deadly. We get that. No one with half a brain is saying that this is just the common cold. But neither is it the bubonic plague. And if a country of 320 million people are supposed to keep sheltering in place, watching their bank accounts dwindle down and not being able to pay their bills and waiting on $1,000 government checks that are going to last about four seconds, yeah, you bet that we are allowed to ask some questions and we deserve some answers. In the past three weeks, we have lost 10% of our workforce. More than 16 million Americans have lost their jobs in less than a month. The feds are now projecting a 25% unemployment rate. That's insane. So here are just a few things that I would like to know if we're going to keep doing this. Question one, the models keep changing, but the restrictions don't. Why? Here's a good example. In my home state of Virginia, experts had originally projected the state's coronavirus outbreak would peak sometime in mid to late May. Now that's been backed up to April 20th. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation is now projecting 891 deaths, needing 319 ICU beds and 272 ventilators. But just a week ago, they projected over 3,000 deaths, needing about 1,000 beds, and needing over 700 ventilators. Both of those models assumed full social distancing through May. But that's a massive difference. Even still, Virginia's governor has ordered a statewide shutdown of schools, non-essential businesses, and public gatherings through at least June 10th. Virginia is just one of many models that have proven to be way off the mark, which is somewhat understandable given the changing nature of these things. But even New York City's cases are already flattening. And as the projections become less and less dire, we deserve to know why we're still being told to hunker down and accept all of this as the new normal for God only knows how long. Because we cannot do this forever. Question two. So about all of these death counts... Earlier this week, during the White House's daily press briefing, Dr. Deborah Burks explained that the United States is being liberal in how we're calculating the number of people who've died from COVID-19. Here's what she said. I think in this country, we've taken a very liberal approach to mortality. There are other countries that if you had a pre-existing condition, and let's say the virus caused you to go to the ICU and then have a heart or kidney problem. Some countries are recording that as a heart issue or a kidney issue and not a COVID-19 death. If someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that as a COVID-19 death. So in other words, if a person dies, is tested posthumously and pops positive for the coronavirus, that person's death is automatically listed as a COVID-19 death, even if there's a chance that they died from something other than this virus. Here's why this matters. For example, earlier this month, it was reported that a newborn baby in Connecticut had died from COVID-19. Here's CBS's headline. Six-week-old baby's death linked to coronavirus, believed to be one of the youngest fatalities. Medical officials said the baby tested positive for the coronavirus after death. Governor Ned Lamont claimed that we believe this is one of the youngest lives lost anywhere due to complications related to COVID-19. Except here's what the chief medical examiner had to say. At the current time, we have not issued a final cause of death. There are numerous tests that we must do on infant deaths before issuing a final cause of death. Even still, the baby's death was automatically listed as a coronavirus fatality. The world charged along, and we didn't hear another thing about it. But there's a big difference between dying with something and dying from something. And if we're going to keep pointing to a rising death toll to justify shutting down our entire economy and bankrupting millions of families, that death toll 
had better be accurate, and we have the right to question whether it is. Question three, hydroxychloroquine and why the media hate it so much. Several weeks ago, President Donald Trump said during a press briefing that two drugs, hydroxychloroquine, a malaria med, and azithromycin, might offer us a chance of combating the coronavirus, and the media lost their minds. Never mind that several medical experts agreed that there was a chance these drugs could do some good. Never mind that even New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has said that there is anecdotal evidence that they do work. No, that was a glimmer of hope in a very dark time, so I guess we better nip that in the bud real quick. At least that's how it seemed. Now, thankfully, even as the media slammed Trump for supposedly telling people to huff fish tank cleaner, which he didn't do, the National Institutes of Health are launching their first clinical trial into the use of hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19 patients. So with any luck, we might be on our way to a treatment plan. But it seems that even though the possibility of a cure, even the chance that we might be able to reopen the economy sooner than originally projected, the chance that our coronavirus death toll might be off, anything that might provide just a smidgen of light at the end of this forever long tunnel leading into economic despair and desperation, anything remotely positive is immediately squashed by the media and our leaders. And I can't help but ask, why? If Americans are going to be trapped inside their homes with no end in sight, alienated from their loved ones, if they're going to be stripped of their livelihoods, unable to pay bills or buy food, if churches are going to stay shuttered and business owners are going to lose their life's work, if students are going to get screwed out of sports scholarships and children are going to miss school, if we're all going to cower in fear for the foreseeable future watching our economy crash and burn, we deserve answers to these questions. And yeah, you bet we have the right to ask them because God knows the media won't. All right. I was just, uh, you know, I this thing about an article about Las Vegas and the mayor of Las Vegas calls the business shutdown total insanity. I thought she is a woman after my heart. Her husband, her she's her name is Carolyn Goodman and her husband. I believe it's she's she must be the surviving wife of Oscar Goodman. Oscar Goodman was the mayor when I used to go over there to Las Vegas some for trauma intervention program. Oscar Goodman uh, was mayor for, I don't know, a few terms. And there was always rumored that he was an attorney for the mafia. And he was an attorney. But uh, I think he did a pretty good job managing Las Vegas. So when he died, uh, his wife took over. I didn't know that till I saw this article. And it says, Mayor of Las Vegas, Carolyn Goodman, on Wednesday, called the closure of nonsensical, or nonsensical, I can't see today, uh, I'm too far from this computer. I need to get closer. Non-essential businesses in the city. The closure of non-essential businesses, right, in the city. Total insanity. I love it when I, you know, I'm just, you know what's happening? It's kind of like you thought things were a certain way in people's lives, and then then the kind of covers got pulled back, right? And then you thought, oh, yep, yep, that's just what I thought. Or no, you think, oh, he surprised me there. So 
the way these people describe what a non-essential business is, that's a value statement right there, right? So keep keep aborting kids, keep the drunks happy, right? Those are essential. But um, churches, yeah, I, did I mention earlier how many, oh, maybe as a supervisor I was talking to earlier, I said, you, you have any idea the indirect damage you guys have done? Have you, you want to take a account on how many suicides in this community since you did this? You want to take responsibility for that? While opening Wednesday's city council meeting in Las Vegas, Mayor Goodman said that this shutdown has been become one of total insanity for there is no backup data as to why we are shut down from the start. No plan in place how to move through the shutdown or how to even come out of it. Mayor Goodman said that according to experts who she has spoken to, the coronavirus is not going away. Why would she say that? Because everything that you get is just around colds, flu, and before before we had this revelation at the CDC, which is a center for Democrat control, before we had this revelation that we're going to shut down anytime we think there's a threat, we're all going to run to our homes like frightened little chipmunks. We would go to work and and a couple people would call in and they'd say, I, I can't come in today. I'm going to take some sick days because I got the flu. And you'd go to another business and say, oh, where's Susie? Oh, she has the flu. And you go to business, another business, or you go to school, and they'll say, oh, there's a couple of people missing. Where are they? Oh, they have the flu. Flu's going around. Oh, flu's going around. It's flu season. Did you get a shot? No, I didn't get a shot. Yeah, I got a shot. We'd have a conversation, right? So every year in the United States, we'd lose 50, 60, 70,000 people the flu. And we'd have these little brief discussions. Nobody cried. Nobody wept when they heard so-and-so's home with the flu. Oh, my God. Are they going to die? Are they going to die? Are they on a ventilator? Are they at the hospital? Are they at home? Right? Nobody said, oh, okay. Who's going to do our job? Which one of us is going to do the job? We just moved on. Now it's like, oh, you don't care. You don't care about my You know, what, what about my daughter? What if she gets sick? You don't care about somebody dying? I thought, oh, before we just thought, oh, sorry. Maybe I'll call her, see if I can bring home some soup for her. Maybe I'll drop by and get her some hot, sour soup from the Dragon Inn. Wasn't like meltdown. That's why I asked the supervisor. I said, how come you didn't get piss your pants over 80,000 people dying last year of the flu? Because he he's not a leader. He's led around by the nose like a pig. Just grab the pig, the, the nose ring on the pig and drag him around. Or a horse or whatever you want to drag around. Just grab somebody by the short hairs, drag him around. I'm smarter than you because I'm a doctor. A lot of doctors are just revolutionaries. That, right? If you want to see where, look up Burks, B-I-R-X, and Fauci, F-A-U-C-I, and see who they've been hobnobbing with over the years. That would be the Clintons and the Soroses and all those people. Hold that thought. They, I'm not saying they're not nice people. Maybe you go out and have a cocktail with them if you're a drinking person or a cup of coffee. I will tell you that Miss Burke's husband was was the coordinator of all travel for the Clintons. Now, I think you have to be more than a Democrat than to be on the Clinton bandwagon and not even get murdered. You have to be you have to love them 
and be in it. So that's just their family. I'm not saying she's all communist or socialist. I'm just saying you wouldn't see me working for the Clintons. That's all I'm going to say. So Goodman says it's not going to go away in a month, next month. And much like the flu or any other virus that have impacted populations around the world, this virus or a derivative of it will be a part of what we work through going forward. So what are we going to do? We always have to wear masks. We always have to stay six feet from everybody. Mayor Goodman went out to point out that the Nevada is a state of 3.2 million people with 2.6 million people living in southern Nevada. Tragically, we have already lost to the virus 128 people in Nevada. I thought, why do you, why do you even say tragic, tragically? Why would you say tragically about those people and the other 128 that died right ahead of them of some other bug you don't care about? Why don't we just get up every morning and have all the politicians read all the dead and cry over all the things they died of? Why don't you do that? Why all the drug overdoses, all the domestic violence deaths, all the gang shootings, all the people that died of some kind of an HIV? Why don't you send sympathy cards? She offered her sympathies and condolences. Why? Because we made a big media fiasco about the whole darn thing. And so now you've got a kowtow. I'll use a Chinese term, kowtow. You've got a kowtow, and you've got to start with saying, I'm so sorry. But by saying, I'm so sorry for these, you're saying, I don't give a damn about the rest that died also this week of the flu a and B version or diabetes or a P pneumonia or car- cardiopulmonary disease or arterial sclerosis, right? Parkinson's disease. And then to have the government tell you that no matter what they die of, If they have any COVID, we're counting that as a COVID death. Well, absolutely. She says, even though she says tragically, she said, but let me tell you with a population of 3.2 million living in Nevada, those whom we have lost represent less than half of 1% of our, honestly, I don't think she even knows how to do mass. I think she's a common core girl. Mayor Goodman once again called for Governor Sisolak. That's just too close to sissy for me. I don't think I'd have voted for him. She called for Governor Sisolak to reopen the state of Nevada. From my perspective, we must open our city. We must open southern Nevada, and we must open the state of Nevada. We cannot live going forward with the medical and health industry telling us that the virus is going to be around longer than a month or two, maybe even a year. We cannot keep our heads in the sand and think it's going to go away. We are adults with brains. Thank you, Jesus. We are adults with brains who can know what to do to wash our hands, to take all the precautions, not to spread the disease, but we cannot put our heads in the sand. In other words, she's saying to us, hey, getting up in the morning and venturing out of the house is a risk. In my area, 
you could get run over by a guy loaded on heroin. You could get a celebrity breaking into your garage loaded on meth and heroin. It's risky over here. Every day you get up, you take a risk. Why can't we just add the coronavirus to the litany of risks, the myriad of risks that are out there? We could get hit by a flying saucer, a meteorite. A shark could bite us if we're near the ocean. A flea could get us. A tick. We could be walking down the and pick up a tick and get Lyme's disease. Just, we could get, if you're in the Loma Rica area in Browns Valley, you could get bit by a snake and nobody even know you're for a walk and you'd go down under the power of that snake. It was just your time, right? A tree could fall over and hit you in the head. Did you know that what, that's what happened to Governor Abbott in Texas? He was out for a jog. He was a healthy young guy. And a tree limb fell off and whacked him and put him in a wheelchair. You thought he was just a pussy? No, no, no. He got hit by a limb. He actually took a risk to go out for a run. And if you had told him at the beginning of the run, you shouldn't go for the run. You should stay in your home because a limb might fall off a tree and hit you and break your neck and then paralyze you, and you will be sitting the rest of your life. He thought, I'll take the risk, and a tree hit him in the head. It's risky. I've driven and been hit by a car before. I was doing all the right things. I was behaving the law. I was law-abiding, behaving myself, and been hit by someone that was goofing, making a mistake. They made a, they made a, a, a mental error, and they whacked me. I took a risk, right? People take a risk when they play sports. They could get hit in the head by the baseball, right? But now we are not going to take any risk. And if one person dies in the state of New York, I'm just not going to be able to sleep anymore the rest of my life. I just, I'm going to resign as judge. Or as a governor, I'm going to fly. I think I'll move to Canada if one person dies under my watch. I just can't take it. Now, it's interesting because... New York, Chicago, all those places. In a weekend, they'll lose 30, 40 people killed. Do they ever go on and express any condolences or, you know, any send flowers? They don't do nothing. City council, they don't do nothing. In San Francisco, that they probably have more AIDS deaths than they do murders. No, Nobody sheds a tear over them, Right. They might, they might, somebody might get flared up and say, wear a condom. So she says, we're adults with brains. Now, Dr. Lou does not think we're adults with brains. She said, you get an F. She is a COVID Nazi. You get a D minus. Stay in your homes. Wait, quit touching people. Quit touching your face. Knock it off. Honestly, people, we have lost our minds. We have lost our minds. If you think this is okay, you are not a real American. You are not a patriot. You do not know your constitution, and you are going to be led by, you're, you're headed in a bad way philosophically. It, and you know the amazing thing about the country? You're going to get to go there, right? You're going to get to go exactly where you want to go. And um, you, so, hey, it's a big place. So, you, you know, there's, there's going to be maybe places to live where there's going to be more freedom to do your own thing. 
And there's going to be places where if you want to be led around by the nose, told what clothes to wear, what you can eat, how long you like. I saw one guy said, I don't know what's in Mississippi. They put a 10 o'clock curfew. That means nobody's going out at 10. It isn't like stay down if you can. If you have to go here, okay. If you have to go there, okay. No, no, no. 10 to 6 in the morning. You're down. Curfew. Don't be coming out. Don't be coming out. All right. I'm just looking here what what I need to cover. Uh, Yeah, I think we're going to get some $500 tickets. I don't like to have controversy. I, I like. I like things to go easy for me. But I told somebody the other day, I I don't learn a lot when things are going easy on me. I do learn a lot. I do learn better lessons when I'm having in a tough spot. So I'm thinking that this is another season of tough spots for me. Not quite sure what that's going to mean. But this may be the season. Uh, Very difficult. I wanted to, let me see, there was another topic. Oh, this is interesting, right? If you had cancer, if the doc says, I think you got cancer, would you get a second opinion or a third opinion about what to do about it or whether you had it, what to do about it before they cut into you and started radiating you and chemo you? Well, If you look at the World Health Organization as your doctor, as our nation's doctor, like we have the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, right? And then over that, along with that, and in conjunction with that, I should say, we have the World Health Organization, or WHO, W-H-O. And we have been giving them 400 to $500 million a year, just chump change to run the operation. And if they need extra money, we give it to them. And they are supposed to coordinate the health issues that would say cross borders, et cetera, et cetera. So they have their own, they have their own scientists on board, but they're very political. And there's been a feeling for years with evidence. There's not just a feeling, but supported by evidence that they cover for communist China. Now covering communist China is the most ruthless, inhumane, gnarly murderers that history has ever seen. They have killed more people, millions of people Th- that they do not lose sleep over this. They'll take your lung out and give it to somebody in a heartbeat, send you on your way, send you into the eternal realm and give your healthy old lungs to somebody that came over from Europe or U.S. and give them a hundred grand for it. Right. Throw those lungs in them, send them on their way. So this isn't the first time that the health organization has come under scrutiny earlier in April, Senator Ron Scott from Florida announced that Senate Homeland security committee chairman, uh, Ron Johnson agreed to investigate who Ron Johnson he's with in Wisconsin. And the quote is they, in other words, who just work for China, communist China. In other words, they're just pawns for China. If they had done their job, everybody would have gotten more ready. We wouldn't have shut down the economy, and we wouldn't have all these people dead all over the world. Senator Rick Scott told Fox News Channel's Tucker Carlson. Scott says, I want an investigation. I'm on the Homeland Security 
uh, committee. I've talked to the chairman, Ron Johnson. He agreed to it. When we're going to investigate, we're going to investigate and why did they do what they did? What was their purpose? And why are we as American taxpayers giving them some of our dollars? Now, these people, if you look at the clips on YouTube, and I think some of them are being played on our show today, <coughs> they covered for them. In fact, they told all the nations of the world, don't be afraid of this. It's no, it's a, it's a nothing burger. And uh, if you get sick by it, it's not going to be a big deal. And it's not going to be a pandemic or epidemic. And no problem with having don't don't fuss with the airlines hauling three or four or five hundred people per airline across borders and dropping them. It's everything's going to be fine. It's good. Don't overreact. Right. And uh, but Trump didn't take their advice. Quite different than our local board of supervisors. Isn't that interesting? The World Health Organization experts. Donald Trump is a businessman. He is not a health expert. But they said, we think you should let Chinese flights, which are just numerous every day, tens of thousands of Chinese flying here for various reasons every every month. And um, Trump says, no, I'm shutting down the flights to China. Thank God he did. Right. Thank God he did, because a lot of those people were infected and came right in here and affected all kinds of other people. But the supervisors locally would not go along with that. So here we are three or four weeks later and out of the entire community of 170,000 people, we can't even get 40, find 40 people that were sick of this thing. So Trump says we're going to stop paying who, and I mean the pigs got stuck in Hollywood all over the place. Trouble, 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 because Trump is, he's going to kill us all. After who almost killed us all, right? We're all going to die. Two million. Oh, no, no, Maybe a hundred to 200,000. If you all shut up, you do what we tell you, you don't go to work, you just go to a grocery store when you absolutely have to, you wear a mask, you wear gloves, you, you scrub your hands repeatedly all day, right? That's the only way we're going to survive. The way this works is head. The way from their perspective is heads they win, tails you lose. They've they've devised this scheme that if they have low sickness and low uh, death, they win, and if they have high sickness and high death, they win. Either way, it would have been worse if they had done nothing. That's their that's their story. Okay, we're going to take another break here. We're uh, we've done four out of six segments. And this is changing it up a little bit. Tucker Carlson asked, how did Chris Cuomo get into jail? This is a very fascinating clip for all of you that are sending your kids to college. You really need to look closely at why you're spending all this money and what they're getting taught at college. Be right back. If you've ever watched Chris Cuomo over on CNN, you may have wondered, how'd this guy get a TV show? Sure, he's got well-defined abdominal muscles and good for him, but he can barely speak English. There are nights when Cuomo emits entire paragraphs that mean nothing at all, just pure gibberish. 
like pig Latin or dogs barking. It's kind of remarkable. Was this guy educated in the United States? Let's check Wikipedia. Wait a second. The entry says that Chris Cuomo went to Yale University in Connecticut. That can't be right. Yale has famously high admission standards. Your kids couldn't get into Yale. No chance. They'd have to be incredibly smart. Geniuses, really. Is Chris Cuomo a secret genius? Does he have some amazing talent that's invisible on television? Maybe he speaks false Urdu. Maybe he has a deep grounding in particle physics. Perhaps he can calculate pi to the final digit. Actually, no. Chris Cuomo can't do any of that. It turns out he has an even more impressive qualification. His father was the governor of New York. If you want to get into a top American college, it's best to have a parent who's a well-known Democratic politician. That's the most effective credential of all. And don't take our word for it. Ask Dante de Blasio, the son of Bill de Blasio, the incompetent mayor of New York City. There's no evidence that the younger de Blasio did remarkably well in high school. And yet, like Chris Cuomo, he somehow got into Yale. Once there, Dante de Blasio found himself surrounded by people just like himself, the thoroughly average children of other prominent liberals. According to press reports, that would include the offspring of at least three Democrats currently serving in the U.S. Senate, Michael Bennett, Amy Klobuchar, and Sheldon Whitehouse. All of them sent kids to Yale. Did you? No, but they did. Their colleague Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, meanwhile, is one of a stunning number of Senate Democrats who have sent children to Harvard University. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey is a Harvard parent. So is Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. Schumer sent both his kids to Harvard. Barack Obama sent one of his. So did former New York Governor Elliot Spitzer. The all-time record, though, must go to former Vice President Al Gore. Al Gore sent four. Imagine that. Four kids in a row to Harvard. What are the odds of that occurring in nature? Well, statistically, it's about as likely as getting hit by lightning every single day for a year. And yet somehow the Gore family pulled it off. Congratulations, Gore family. Andrew Cuomo, the sitting governor of New York, sent one of his kids to Harvard, but the other two went to Brown. That's also an Ivy League university that your kids could never get into. Brown is, as they say, highly selective, at least for the children of non-politicians. But for pure 200-proof exclusivity, nothing beats Stanford University outside San Francisco. You could live your entire life in this country and never meet a single person who went to Stanford. It's that rarefied. And yet here's the amazing part. Hillary Clinton's daughter breezed right in. How did Chelsea do that? Was it her formidable brain power? Well, you can check out her Twitter feed and judge for yourself. Now, there's a chance that Chelsea is intentionally misleading us. It's possible that her entire public persona is a kind of performance art, a subversive Borat-style parody of mindless lifestyle liberalism. If that's the case, Chelsea Clinton is utterly brilliant. She's the Jonathan Swift of our time. But it's also possible that Chelsea isn't joking at all. It's possible, indeed, it's even probable that she is every bit as dull and self-serious as she appears to be. In that case, not only is Chelsea Clinton profoundly sub-brilliant, you've got to wonder how she holds a paying job. How did someone like that get into Stanford? You might have the same question about some of the kids at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Georgetown's alumni magazine is available online, so next time you've got a second free, take a look. You'll recognize many of the names inside, Biden, Pelosi, Kennedy. These are the children of famous Democratic politicians. Are they impressive, hard kids who deserve to be at one of this country's most prestigious universities? 
Possibly, maybe some of them, maybe not, doesn't matter. In fact, it's irrelevant. They're the offspring of prominent Democrats. That's the point, and that's why they're at Georgetown. So how does this happen? Well, it happens because our meritocracy is a sham. It's fake. They tell you that only the most accomplished students get into these schools, but they're lying. Their friends' kids get first dibs, fellow members of their social circle, kids whose families can help them down the road. The children of sympathetic politicians are an obvious priority for admissions officers. These are the same politicians who funnel billions in tax dollars to colleges and universities every year. So letting a senator's kid into Harvard is just smart business. The quid pro quo is obvious. It's a kind of unregulated lobbying. Remember the varsity blues scandal in California where a group of socially anxious soccer moms tried to game the college admission system? Well, this is far more corrupt than that, except that nobody's going to prison for it. So how many Chris Cuomo's get into Yale every year? It'd be nice to know, but we don't know. Like almost everything about higher education, it's opaque. Prestigious schools can pretend that they admit only the most qualified applicants because nobody can prove otherwise. The real admissions numbers are secret. They're hidden from public view, even though we pay for those schools because all of them take massive amounts in tax dollars. Elite colleges are like public companies that lie about their balance sheets. They're cooking the books to defraud shareholders. In this case, the shareholders are the entire country. A handful of elite schools form the gateway to success in America. If you go to Harvard, you're all but guaranteed to make more money over the course of your life than someone who didn't go to Harvard. It's that simple. And so when you rig the admissions system, what you're really rigging is American society. You're creating an impenetrable class system for your own benefit. And that's exactly what they're doing. You often hear progressives say that they worry about income inequality. They don't mean it at all. How do you know they don't mean it? Because if the left really cared about the stratification of American society, they would make college admissions transparent. They'd force Stanford, for example, to open the books and show the rest of us how exactly they're assembling this year's freshman class. That's what they'd do. And yet Democrats in Congress haven't done that and won't do that. They seem strangely incurious about how the process works, like they don't really want to know all the details. In fact, they already know precisely how the admissions game works, and they strongly approve. Why wouldn't they approve? Their kids are benefiting from it. It comes easy. So let me change it up a little bit. We heard last year, I guess it was, that a guy that I don't I don't have a television set up, but this guy, I'd never heard of him. Mm, sorry, I had to yawn. A guy named Juicy or Jesse, however you want to say it. J-U-S-S-I-E Smollett, S-M-O-L-L-E-T. He's an actor. And he's been uh, in this uh, series called Empire, right? You remember last year in Chicago, he went in and filed a claim that he got beat up, threatened, beat up, harassed, terrorized, and that, that the guys happened to be wearing MAGA hats. And it was a big old deal. And people were wanting to hang all the conservatives and blame Trump. Every, you know, Trump gets blamed 
if a fly lands on somebody's face, Trump gets blamed. And so Jesse Smollett, uh, everybody came to his defense. Yeah, because why? Because Jesse happens to be homosexual and he's black. That's that's a double whammy right there. Like, hey, B, don't be talking. Don't be talking about color and don't be talking about who he wants to have sex with. Who he wants to have sex with is his business. I agree with that. If he wants to go out and have sex with a, a, a horse, a sheep, a guy, whatever he wants to do. I, I, I got too much going on in my life. I'm not worried about Jesse Smollett. And so when this happened, everybody's all freaked out. Then people began to question, like, where's the evidence? All this stuff. And pretty soon... People said this is a hoax, but the district attorney's office of Chicago said, no, we're not going to prosecute it. Oh, Jesse, we don't know what old Jesse did. He looks a little schooly to us, but we're not going to do a thing about it. But essentially, Jesse was disgraced because basically he was taking a shot at all the conservatives out there. And again, Mr. Trump, somehow Mr. Trump's fault was at the bottom of this, right? Now we learn that these two brothers who supposedly whooped up on him, one's name is um, Abin Bola, or Americanized, Abel Osendero. I guess that Abel and Jesse, they like to have make love together. And they like to go to an elite Bathhouse. You know, I think San Francisco closed out of their bathhouses. So many people got HIV down in them bathhouses. I don't know. When you're just like scrubbing your skin in, in a sauna, I don't know how you could get HIV. I thought you actually had to have sex, but I could be wrong. I'm not a medical person. But maybe they sweat splattered off of one to another down in those bathhouses in San Francisco. But so many people got HIV. They shut down them bathhouses. But in Chicago, do you know what? Do you know that... Uh, uh, Jeremiah Wright's church has a large contingency of homosexual guys, and and they they were banging each other down in the basement, and also at these bathhouses. And Obama and I even even heard Rahm Emanuel. Got, that surprised me because Rahm had kids, but supposedly Rahm Emanuel and Barack like to go to these bathhouses. Well, this is called an elite Chicago bathhouse, and um, it says that that Abel or Abinbola, and Jesse, or Juicy, they used to party together, and he had a sexual relationship with Abel. They went to this affluent Chicago bathhouse multiple times, and they had to show their ID. That's how they knew they were who they are. It's known as a bathhouse where a lot of affluent black gay guys hang out. I wonder if Obama's got his dollar up on the wall. Or maybe he's got a signed photo over there up on the wall. President, you know, former president of the United States or Senator Barack has been here. Poking his meat through the uh, some hole in the wall. So Smollett alleged that he was a victim of racially motivated attack in 2019. According to reports that Osandaro brothers, the Osandaro brothers, Abel and his brother, reportedly helped Smollett stage the attack. In other words, Smollett paid them to jack slap him 
and then scurry off because what we needed was a couple of white guys in MAGA hats. So the black guys needed to be unseen. It's like a CIA operation. Smollett pleaded not guilty to related charges after Chicago police determined that the alleged attack was nothing more than a big old hoax. For you out in Linda, that's H-O-A-X if you took reading and spelling from Common Core. The, now, this is when you when you are an actor or you have a lot of money or you know the judges, this is the kind of deal you can work. The former Empire actor initially faced 16 counts related to making false statements to police, etc., etc., etc. However, don't you like that when that however's in there? They said, Lou, you're going to go to jail. However, you can stay home. I said, well, thank you, Jesus. However, it's a good word. However. He agreed to community service. Well, that's a good deal. Maybe he wants to go and go coach the girls' sporting events or something, or the young boys' sporting events, or be a referee. He signed a, he agreed to a community service uh, work and a $10,000 fine in exchange for the charges being dropped. Well, they made more, more, there are more, maybe more things coming up. Certainly, we didn't know that one of the brothers and Abel, the, actually, the two brothers' name, if you want their names, is Abel and Ola Osendaro. Abel and Ola. But at least one of them, they're Nigerian brothers, and they're complaining that the accusation that Abel was having his sex with Jesse is is causing them all kinds of harassment and injury and even death. So they're thinking about filing them so, so the lawsuit because they said, hey, 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 yeah, we like to have sex with old Jesse, but we can't have it out in the public because then people want to like say nasty grams and send us a bad email. I know what that's like. Sometimes I get those as well. I don't blame you guys. Just be a little low. Don't be doing hoaxes. If you don't do a hoax, nobody would ever come down and run over in your your area. So I was uh, I was looking at a comment by James Woods. James Woods is a black sheep of Hollywood, though he's a white guy, because he likes Trump. He says, "I'll say this for the last time: Obama is a disaster because of the content of his character, not the color of his skin." Now, that was kind of an interesting way to say that, right? Yeah. So I like this also. It says here, uh, talking about how Trump has been trying to clean up the Obama legacy. So I'll read a few of these to you. See if you, because a lot of times we forget about these situations and then we then we don't know the me- meaningfulness of the decisions made today by a new president. So Trump, when he came in, he terminated the Iran deal. He withdrew out of the Paris, Paris climate deal. He withdrew out of TPP. That's another trade deal. He repealed the individual mandate for Obamacare. He ended the Obama war on coal. He quit appeasing our enemies. And he balanced the Supreme Court by picking some conservatives to be on that court. 
All right. Well, I wanted to mention um, we got three people that kind of keep me in business here and three groups. And one is uh, Elite Universal Security. The second is Dave Granite's Construction. And the third is The Plumbing Doctor. So um, I want to mention a couple of them now before we get we're going to just have one more segment after this one. And uh, mentioned that uh, I was noticing in the paper, and I think I mentioned last week, there's been a lot of farm thefts. In fact, I had a call today. Uh, yesterday, I got an email from uh, the Sutter County Sheriff's Department from one of the dispatchers. She said she mentioned a guy's name, and it's out in, a, out in big farm country. If you're out there and you're not farming, you're, you're up to no good. And they have these big trailers that they have fertilizer in, big old trailers. Uh, they're big, uh, big plastic. Uh, I mean, you could swim in them if you could get in them, but they're, they have chemicals in them. And so some kids or some people went out there and tagged them, put graffiti on them big. So I thought they want us to help them clean them up. But he said, oh, I got this, Lou. I just once we're done working out here and getting the ground ready and we move out of here, I'll take them back to the shop and we'll fix it. I just wanted to report it. He said the vandalism. So uh, the reason I bring that up <clears throat> is that there is a lot of vandalism and there is a lot of pure farm thefts, particularly when the harvest starts. They don't so much steal like fruit, but they steal the nuts, almonds and walnuts up here because they're worth so much money. They'll steal a whole trailer. They'll back a tractor up there and steal the whole trailer. So Elite Universal Security, in fact, I just saw a guy walk by the door, uh, by in front of my house today, out the door, uh, and he was one of the elite security guys going to work probably over by the uh, little, little commercial development there where Panda Express is across the street from me. But Elite Universal Security provides security for all kinds of needs, whether it's a residential or commercial or farming, and... Um, they can help put the fear of God in people so when they see a security person around, they're not going to maybe try to steal from there or they might we might catch them in the act or we might uh, be able to come up with a plan where we could be more safe with the products we have so they're not so exposed to ripoff. So Elite Universal Security is a good place to do business with and you can reach them at 530-749-0280. And they're located in Yuba County, but they operate all up and down, all the way up the Oregon border and down below Sacramento. So 7490280. They also do some uh, gun training on the weekends. And you, so if you need your uh, concealed weapon permit for the first time or, or re-upped or refreshed, you can go there and they will, uh, they will hook you up. So you can just call that number and find out what date they're doing it. They probably got them on pause right now. Uh, for Maybe they do because of the corona situation until the governor makes some statement and the local people make some statement. If you want to get in and, and so if you can get some help um, in those ways, you could also uh, go to work for them. They got all kinds of advertisements on their website, API-Academy website, API-Academy.com. And they'll tell you the type of people they're looking for. And and the quality of people, the caliber of people, what you need to be. and But the fact is they'll do the training. If you've never – maybe you're just out of high school and you're only 18, but it's 
too young to start as a police officer, but you could start doing security work. So think about it, and uh, you can hook up with these guys. They will train you. A lot of the classes that they they teach are classes that you would eventually take in the uh, police academy. So they're looking for patrol drivers up in Butte and Eubin, Sutter counties, armed officer, Butte, Eubin, Sutter counties, part-time officers. So if you think, oh, I'm retired. I met a guy the other day who was working for um, Monty, and uh, I went to high school with him. I said, hey, what are you doing? He was working at the courthouse. He said, oh, Lou, I retired, and I was driving. He drove a truck and delivered dairy. And he said, oh, Lou, I was tired and <clears throat> retired. And he said, I got tired of being retired. <coughs> So he says, I'm working part-time, and I like it. So even if you're wanting part-time work, they'll put you to work. And uh, so they're the, the other people I want to mention, I just had, I think I mentioned this last week. I know I told, somebody told me not to do this, but I got to do it. I got to take a drink here because my throat's scratchy. I got some of this kombucha. You ever drink kombucha? It's a little gnarly. It's a little hippie-ish. I usually really, I don't know what it's, I don't know whether it's when I'm, after I have surgery, I've had a few surgeries over the last five years. Something about after surgery, it really tastes good to me. Then when I'm well, it doesn't taste as good, but it's good for me. And uh, so I was talking to, uh, to Dave Greenitz, and I was telling him about, I got this old house, and the door handle was kind of, I guess it was stripped. That's what he told me it was, but it you would turn the door handle, but it wouldn't it wouldn't pull the striker all the way back all the time. Anyway, it wasn't working right. So I thought, are we going to have to replace the whole door? Am I going to have to replace the whole lock set? And but, but then it won't fit into the holes in the side of the door. I thought, what in the heck? So me being a know-nothing in this area of my life, <clears throat> I had lots of questions and no answers. So I had Dave come over, Dave Greenitz with Greenitz Construction, and he looked. He said, first of all, he said, just take a photograph of it. So for you millennials, I'm right up your line, right? You don't even have to have a conversation. I just snapshot the front, the back, and the edge of the door, sent it over. And uh, so anyway, when he came and looked at it, he said, Lou, this is what happened. The doorknob on the outside is stripped. So he took and he replaced that end of it. So that had me get a whole expensive new doorknob, fancy, and look chintzy you know all the new ones look funky i got this he brought me this collector's item glass doorknob that looks totally awesome in fact it looks better than what i had and uh, put it on there that thing works like it's brand new out of the box better than from the factory so dave green it's his main deal he'll, he'll do some repairs for you but his main gig is doing a total whole kitchen whole life makeover of your kitchen and your bathroom or your entryway. He's in does amazing decks like, or if you have the, you know, where we live up here in Northern California, you can live outside part of the year, a lot of the year, maybe eight, seven months. You could go and dine outside. You can cook outside, hang around outside, put it, watch a film outside. And uh, he built this uh, whole outdoor venue with cooking and movies and the other day had it on his facebook page so you can check this out at greenitzconstruction.com green etz.com or you can go to dave greenitz construction facebook and you can see photos of this In fact you'll probably see the thing i did where he put in the barbecue he had all the seating all the shade structure 
area where you could watch sports out there. You know, I guess it's a TV set or something like that. Big old funky screen up there and everything. Pretty cool stuff. And uh, or you could, if you just want to call him up, it's five three zero, or you can text him five three zero six eight two nine six zero two five three zero six eight two nine six zero two. And uh, he'll hook you up. And then he said they've been working right through the uh, the entire uh, Corona episode. So they're still getting work done. And uh, so they're not bashful about helping. They're being careful. So they're not going to sneeze in your face, right? They're going to clean up, clean up everything. They're tidy folks. So they do they do a really nice job all the way around. The other people, I just got a couple of minutes left. I'm going to finish the third one. And then we'll start the final section of uh, 20 minutes with a clean slate is the plumbing doctor. And that's Ted Holmes. And, and those guys, all, uh, they've always, in fact, I said last week, they, I'm loving, they put a, my, my, the faucet I had on my kitchen just was, I replaced it a few years ago and I never really was happy with it. It always leaked just a bit, <clears throat> but, um, finally, I just think it was bad from the factory. Maybe the the fitting on one of the, 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 uh, water handles, Anyway, we put a, a commercial unit on it. It's so cool, this commercial uh, faucet system. And it's much better, beefy. You know, I got this old 1937 sink. It looks like a watering trough. And now I got this cool uh, this uh, faucet that's working beautiful. And uh, then they fixed, They just fixed any time stuff breaks over here. I just had the plumbing doctor come in and they'll fix a leak they'll put in a new faucet they'll put in if i need a new toilet or whatever whatever they put in new toilets cut my water usage in half on my toilets or more and over here in marysville california oh my god water is the most expensive thing i got it's the most expensive utility i have and pg&e's wanting to double rates every few months i mean it's nuts over here oh yeah you drop some water you have a leak you're in trouble over here financially so uh plumbing doctor you can reach them at 530-671-9111 671-9111 So uh that's them and uh check them out they're honest people all these people are very honest re- reputable they'll clean up afterwards they're kind uh they're not going to give they're not, they're not they're not weird they're not going to make a move on you they're not going to flirt with you they're not going to do something stupid Right, they're going to behave themselves. They're gentlemen, and um, so we thank them for supporting us and helping us. Because otherwise, I could probably do it, but it would be a big old sacrifice. It'd be more of a sacrifice than it already is to do. So I just appreciate their care for me and their help. And so uh, that's that. Oh, by the way, do you look at the gas prices? Some of my friends that have moved to some of these other states, like. I think my friend Dan from Missouri sent me a photo of a gas sign, you know, where they show the prices. Honestly, I, I could hardly sleep that night. It could shook me so bad. It was like a dollar seventy five for gas. I thought, holy man, this isn't fair. It isn't fair. I have to be in a state run by a uh, a dictator, old lard hair, dictator lard hair, and I'm just stuck with that guy. All right, we'll be right back. What are we going to do? This is the last one. Uh, oh, new COVID pr- projections, and uh, check it out. This is COVID day. Be right back.
Opioid-related overdoses have killed 400,000 Americans since 1999. That's equivalent to seven Vietnam Wars. So it's kind of hard to believe that our government was not only complicit in starting it, but has actively helped drug dealers get their hands on more opioids. And it's all because our politicians have their own crippling addiction, money. Calling the opioid epidemic an epidemic makes it sound like it was some contagion that we had no control over that only Matt Damon could stop, when in fact it's the direct result of corruption. Shitty bureaucrats making shitty decisions. Let's break this train wreck down fail by fail. Fail number one, the FDA. The FDA is an entire government agency with one job to make sure our food and drugs don't kill us, which sometimes, you know, they get confused with killing a lot of us. In 1995, Purdue Pharmaceuticals developed Oxycontin, a drug that is not heroin. It's more of a time-released heroin, unless you just crush it up a little bit, and then it's basically heroin. Naturally, the FDA took one look at Oxycontin and said, yes, give it to everyone. Literally everyone. They prescribed it for arthritis and back pain and all kinds of stuff. It was not only not intended for, but very dangerous to treat. Within a few years, opioid addiction and death had skyrocketed, which is really weird because the label for Oxycontin approved by the FDA read, addiction to opioids legitimately used in the treatment of pain is very rare. It's not. So the FDA started an epidemic. That's, that's worse than the opposite of their job. It's like if you hired a dog walker to walk your dog and instead of walking your dog, they remove its legs. That's the FDA. Why is the FDA so bad at their job? Well, it turns out they're in bed with drug companies. A recent study of certain FDA drug assessors found that between 2001 and 2010, an astonishing 58% of them left their jobs at the FDA to go work for biopharmaceutical companies. They all stopped walking dogs and they got jobs as dog leg removers. Which brings us to our next point. Fail number two, the DEA. Because the FDA sucks, opioids were everywhere by the mid-2000s. A lot of doctors and pharmacists had essentially become drug dealers. They were just over-prescribing opioids and sending them directly to the black market. Enter the DEA, an entire government agency with one job to combat drug smuggling and distribution. Now, they get an idea. Instead of prosecuting all of these pharmacists and doctors, they'll stop drug shipments at their source drug distributors and wholesalers. For example, when 11 million doses of opioids are sent to a single county in West Virginia of 25,000 people, or when a single Walgreens in Florida is selling a million opioid prescriptions a year, even though the average is 74,000, the DEA could say, hey, stop. It's an effective tactic, which is exactly why they stopped doing it. In 2011, there were 65 immediate drug suspension orders. By 2016, there were only eight. Why? Well, it's the same thing that happened at the FDA. Since 2000, at least 56 DEA and Justice Department officials left the fight against opioids to join pharmaceutical companies and the law firms representing them. But somehow, something even more sinister was happening, which brings us to fail number three, Congress. Congress is a branch of government that has one job, to listen to the American people and enact our will. As is the custom in this country, they never do this job. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised to hear that in 2016, Congress passed a bill making it nearly impossible for the DEA to freeze suspicious drug shipments. Let me say that again. So while Americans were dying of opioids at a rate of 142 people per day, Congress was busy getting more opioids 
into the black market. The politicians responsible for this bill claimed that they were addressing this problem of people not being able to access painkillers when they needed to, but that year enough opioids were prescribed in America for every one of us to be medicated around the clock for three weeks. So let's find out who's responsible for this by playing a little game called Guess Who Sucks. Here is Congress. Surprisingly, the demographics are pretty accurate. So first, let's eliminate everyone who didn't vote for this bill. Oh, well, that's surprising. It passed unanimously. Okay, second, let's eliminate everyone who doesn't take money from the pharmaceutical industry. Oh, cool. Nine out of ten members of Congress take drug money. Okay, fine. Let's just eliminate everyone except for the members of Congress who sponsored this bill. Hey, look, it's Orrin Hatch and Tom Marino. What a coincidence, the pharmaceutical industry was Tom and Oren's first and second biggest donors in 2016. After this bill was passed, Tom would go on to be nominated for drug czar and Oren would call for all welfare recipients to receive drug testing, presumably to see if they were ingesting the drugs that he was helping put on the streets. Now we could go through the entire list of co-sponsors too, like Republican Marsha Blackburn or Democrat Sheldon Whitehouse. What about Republican and finalist on NBC's America's Got Neck, David Vitter? This guy now lobbies for the pharmaceutical industry, of course. The point is, our government is failing us. Congress, the FDA, the DEA, they're all too corrupt to do their job, and it's coming at a horrific cost. Our country loses $78.5 billion a year to this fight, which is vastly outshadowed by the hundreds of thousands of lives lost. 500,000 more are expected to die in the coming decade, and it's hard to find an American who doesn't know someone battling the crucible of addiction. This is just one of the many costs of a corrupt and broken system that is failing all of us. And I'm not suggesting that we should set aside our differences and hold hands and blah blah blah. We have a lot of legitimate grievances with one another in this country, but this is not one of them. It's not a partisan issue. It's a societal rot that is sinking the entire country. And maybe, just maybe here, is where we can find a point of consensus to actually do something together. All righty, this is our last section of the evening or the day, whenever you're enjoying it. For me, it's the evening. After this, I'm going to throw down some groceries and go to a meeting that I think is going to be a very interesting meeting tonight. We're violating Lulu's Kukaloo, Dr. Kukaloo. We're violating her orders. We're going to have a meeting and we're going to talk about some gnarly stuff. So I'm I've been invited, so I'm going to go to it. But we have a, another segment here, and um, I wanted to just I haven't mentioned these guys in a while. I want to mention them. If you're interested in the Constitution and you want to, you know, some of you that are studying, you're, you're getting your church at home now. You're getting used to watching online. You could actually learn about the Constitution and then study on why being forced to listen online is stupid. So if you want to do something online and really become an expert like our forefathers were you can who wrote the constitution by the way they were smart enough not only to learn it but to write it think it up and write it hold that thought so institute on the constitution.com is jake and dominic mccauley you heard a clip from them earlier on telling you how states don't have the right to do what they're doing according to the constitution right Institute on the Constitution.com, Jake and Dominic McCauley. And they have what they call the AmericanView.com. 
And that's a clip I played for you earlier today, the American view. Dot com. Um, so then there's Chris Ann Hall, former uh, state attorney for Florida. Chris Ann Hall, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E Hall, H-A-L-L. Chris Ann Hall dot com. You can see I would play her clips, but I tried to I tried to I sent her an email one time. He said, if you'll play me some six, do me some five or six minute bursts. I'll give you some advertisement and I'll play your clips so we can educate people. But most of her clips are like 35, 40 minutes long, but they're educational and she's very, very bright. I like her. Plus I like her, her and her husband have been, she and her husband have been to town a couple times and spoken. They're very, both very sharp people. Chris Ann Hall, K R I S A N N E Hall.com. And, um, Let's see. Finally, Hillsdale, E-D-U, Hillsdale, that's Hills, like plural hill, Hillsdale, D-A-L-E, not D-E-L-L, D-A-L-E, Hillsdale.edu. There's all kinds of online um, courses on the Constitution and other topics. Now, it's interesting. I was watching for a few minutes live coverage of the the big gridlock, the automobile gridlock in Michigan in the state capital. And one of the gals that was being interviewed, like, you know, like to do the typical interview of people on the street. What are you doing here? Where are you from? What do you do? What's your point here today? And so the gal said that she was getting ready to attend Hillsdale College, which is one of the best colleges in the country and happens to be in Michigan. And so she said she wanted to be, he said, well, what are you going to do when you get there? What are you going to study? She said, I want to study. She mentioned something and she said, I want to really be a lawyer and I want to fight for the rights of people in our country. And I thought, well, thank you, Jesus, right? That's just what we need. So um, anyway, um, check that out. I'll tell you, you know, I was, I was looking for some uh, seltzer water. Do you know seltzer water, tonic water? Because this doctor on the internet said that quinine, you you know this hydro hy, hydroxychloroquine, right? You hear Trump talk about it. That's so controversial, right? They've been giving it out for since the nineteen fifties to all kinds of patients, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt people. But the media says it's going to kill people because it hasn't been tested. It's actually been tested, and it's been given to all kinds of people for 50, 60 years, but hasn't been tested on this particular virus. But doctors have been using it, hydroxychloroquine, plus they've been using erythromycin, which is ZPAC, right? So this doctor from St. Louis is, is ranting the other day because he was saying how the doctors at the very top of this country are leading people astray in this whole CDC thing. And he just says, if you take quinine and zinc and get in Shiva, Dr. Shiva talks about having a lot of A, D, and C in your system. That's your immune system we're talking about building up. Your immune system has been given by God if you don't believe you evolved from an ape. And the reason God gave it to you is because there's all kind of creatures in your body and outside your body. There's good bacteria, bad bacteria, right? And the bad bacteria wants to take over. It's like a virus. I have a lady across the street 
Rhonda. She is an expert on the computer, and what she does is try to keep viruses off my computer because every time I want to do something important, a virus would come in and stop me from doing what I'm doing, and it made my computer sick. So, and these viruses are given different names, and the, and they're vandal, vandal they're, they're technology vandals. They want to screw up your life through your computer. Well, a virus... That's why they got the computer virus. It's just like a biological virus. It wants, it's looking for a host home. It does not have a life of its own. It needs to get inside one of your cells to kick butt. And so if your immune system is active and healthy, it forbids the foreign invader called the coronavirus or the Cervasa virus from getting in your system and kicking butt. It can, it maybe could get in your system, right? So one of the nurses that I know, she was on Facebook and she was saying, if you breathe steam after you boil the water just a bit on a pan, turn off the heat. And if you breathe the steam into your nose and down into your lungs, it will kill the coronavirus any, any temperature over 130 degrees. So if you breathe steam every day or twice a day, beginning and ending and you take a d and c and drink a little quinine water right that's what seltzer seltzer water has quinine in it isn't that interesting i used to go overseas a lot and uh when i first well i still do but when i started i would take malaria medicine but it always made me sick i would feel slightly nausea the whole time i thought this is a bummer so i thought i'm not going to do that next time if i get malaria i'll treat it but i'm not going to be sick every time i come over then I noticed that there's actually quinine in seltzer water. I thought, what's that doing in there anyway? So this doctor says there's enough quinine in that water. Quinine helps deal with the coronavirus. So I was looking for quinine the other day, <clears throat> and I drove and I stopped at the grocery outlet in Yuba City. I don't know whether they're everywhere or not, or whether this is a unique store to us, but there's a really fine couple that run it. And they, they support trauma intervention all the time with, with snacks and drinks and stuff like that for all our meetings and trainings and stuff. They just donate it to us. They donate to a lot of causes in our area. So I, I've been in there shopping before, but I never bought seltzer water. So I thought, I'm going to go in there. I hadn't been in there for a while, like a few months, because I don't do a lot of shopping. It's just me. So anyway, I go in there, boom, the place is like packed with people and all has lots more uh, cool, lots more stuff and a lot more cool stuff than I was used to getting there. And I thought, oh, there's lots of stuff here I can get. In fact, I found I found a, a package of uh, a bottle of uh, calcium magnesium with zinc in it. I thought, well, I need some zinc and calcium magnesium is good. Anyway, very cheap, right? Everything's cheaper there at the grocery outlet. You can get great buys, fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, unbelievably cheap. And um, But then I ran into my seltzer water, and I bought it by the liter, and you can get the diet version. So it's, uh, oh, what's the name of that company? Uh, can't remember the, can't remember the name of the company. Uh, anyways, no big deal. Just get to look for tonic water with quinine in it. And you can get liters and you can get it diet or you can get it with, with uh, if it has sugar in it, but I don't want the sugar. So I just got the diet. Tastes great. So anyway, what I was 
telling you is that how great the grocery, if you're from the Yuba Sutter area and you want some of that tonic water, you can get it there. Plus, it's a great place to get a good buy, particularly when you're not working and you need the best. You need, you know, I always tell people, I used to teach a course on finance. And I always tell people, it's not so, it's not how much you make, it's how little you spend to get what you need, right? So if you can shop, like, like, I used to, I like, I like a lot of berries and stuff, like blueberries and blackberries. And <clears throat> so when I was at this one store, I was buying like a box of these blackberries would cost like four or five dollars. So I went to the grocery outlet and I got two, two boxes, two little boxes of blackberries. It went two for three dollars. So I bought twice as much for less overall. I got twice as much berries for less overall. And uh, so that means I'm twice as wealthy, right? So if you can find places like that to buy, particularly when you're short on money, which everybody is right now because the supervisors held us hostage in our own homes, right? The supervisors held us hostage. So, uh, all right, let me let me move on here. I wanted to talk about an interesting things that happened to me at the grocery outlet. Let me see if I can find this. Uh... Oh, I'm looking at the wrong wrong file. Sorry, sorry. Just hold on. I, I'm 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 close. I am close, but it's going to take. Okay, here we go. Last week I was going to discuss this, but I didn't get around to it. So you remember in California, we always want to be the leader in everything, even if it's stupidity, right? Because they say everything gets exported out of California. So, um, so all things, you know, this is, so anyway, a couple of years ago, we, there's a big stink. It started in cities first. They said, hey, 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 we got to quit using plastic bags. You know, you went to the grocery store and there was bags. And first, back in the old days, they would bag your groceries for you. They didn't even ask you anything. They just threw the groceries in the bag, put them in, the, put them in a cart, and they got them out to the cart. Then you bag some places, you bag your own, right? The places I go, you're on your own. Except the grocery outlet, they'll bag for you. But like many places, you bag your own. But now, so anyway, so they'd say paper or plastic, and you could make your choice, right? And so then the legislator says, no, you can't have paper or plastic, right? This is communism. You can't have paper or plastic because you are ruining the environment. Uh, you're going to have to pay. If you if you want paper or plastic, you're going to have to pay. And um, so we're, we want to eliminate plastic. So we'll give you paper, but you're going to have to pay 10 cents a bag for that, right? That's what they pass. It, it's like they mess with the government. They mess with business. They just start making rules up. And so, so anyway, uh, or you could go without. So I just, it ticked me off. So I just throw the stuff in the grocery cart and then throw in the back of my truck, my, my SUV and drive home. And, um, and I don't buy any bags, right? So this is back in 2014, 2014, the California legislature, it was Senate Bill 207, which banned grocery stores from offering customers single use carry out bags. Permanent implementation was delayed by uh, by a November 6, 2016 voter referendum, Prop 67, when we tried to overturn it. But it was unsuccessful. People are stupid. Uh, so the way that SB 207 was sold to the grocery industry, 
remember they had to sell it to everybody, was through an incentive that permitted them to keep the 10 cents. So the grocery store gets to keep the dime. So it was an incentive for them to say, like when you go through the line in California, they'll say, do you need any bags? And uh, so then they started selling reusable bags. Or you could bring your own bags in, right? So you see the idea? So you ever go to these coffee places like here's Java Detour or the Brick or Starbucks, and you could bring your own container and you could get your coffee, and it's cheaper if you bring your own container in, right? The whole idea is we're going we're gonna to send less waste. We're going to not waste as many of our resources. We're going to save our dumps and save the, save the oceans. We don't want a straw sticking out of a turtle's nose. So you think, you know, you think, oh, okay, I didn't like the idea, but I'm stuck with it, right? I live here in California. So now with the coronavirus, what are you seeing? So I went to a grocery outlet and the gal was so sweet. She says, uh, she said, uh, there was a sign that says, uh, we cannot bag your bag for you. And uh, in other words, if you brought reusable bags, you have to bag your stuff. We can't touch your bags because what they're finding is that there's germs on the reusable bag because stuff spills in there or you put raw vegetables in there and some of it stays in there and rots or you sit it on the pavement or you sit it somewhere in a dog peed, right? So on the bottom of the bags, you have germs, right? They sit on the ground. And instead of throwing them away, they're reusable bags because we're saving the environment. Well, now they're saying, but the coronavirus can live on that funky bag. So when we came through, she said, I said, oh, uh, do you want me? I said, do you want me to? I said, do you want me to? Are you selling bags today or do you want me to use? Do you want me to bag my own stuff? She said, we'll bag your stuff, Lou. And I said, well, are the bags, they cost money. She said, we're giving the bags away free. I thought, well, okay. Nice, nice, sturdy paper bag, right? She said, well, we're going to give you bags and we're going to we're going to fill your bags for you. She said, we just can't fill until this virus thing is passed. We think that there's germs, virus germs on those reusable bags. Now, now here, the liberals in the state of California throughout throughout the country are trying to save their life. They don't want to die and go to heaven because they don't believe in heaven. They think they evolved from a monkey. So they're trying to extend their life as long, as long, as long as they can. So now these single-use bags weren't ever carrying any germs because they were fresh right out of the box. And so now you could actually be packing the coronavirus or somebody ahead of you been packing the coronavirus. They sit their thing on the same counter where you're sitting your thing. And all of a sudden you, you got the coronavirus on your bag. You touch it and you touch your eye and I got coronavirus. So today, instead of reusing this free single use bags to line their trash cans and dispose of their, their cat litter, California's now pay 10 cents every time. Da da da. Save the environment. When, says reusable plastic bags have 11 to 14 times the mass. Like if you buy these plastic bags that the store offers, they have 11 to 14 times the mass of disposable plastic bags and hardly anyone reuses them that many times. So in other words, he's saying that the ones you're buying 
from the grocery store that are plastic. Nobody uses them 11 to 14. Nobody uses them that many times, but they're 11 to 14 times thicker with the material that petroleum-based material that are made instead of just using the very, very thin plastic bags and tossing them out, right? Maybe using them one time for your garbage, tossing them out. So the United Kingdom's Environmental Agency, which estimated reusable grocery bags made of cotton fabric to have 131 times greater global warming potential. So those that insisted, use those cotton bags, use those fabric bags, they cause 131 times more global warming impact than those disposable plastic bags that barely carried your stuff home before they snapped. And now consumers have less reason than ever to reuse their reusable bags because they're germ, they're germ carriers. This isn't new information. Common sense would dictate that when consumers purchase grocery items, da-da-da, just what I told you, pathogens are transferred from the surface of the grocery items into the surface of the bag. On a recent article, and I, I got to skip to this, I'm running out of time, called Greening Our Way to Infection, appeared in the City Journal. <clears throat> There's an excellent summary of the disease risks attendant to reusable grocery bags. Author John Tierney exposes the absurd denial of public health authorities, both before and since the COVID-19 outbreak, to the risk use, of using reusable grocery bags. He writes, a headline on the website of the New York Department of Health calls reusable grocery bags a smart choice and the New York Department of Health where all the COVID is. It's bizarre advice considering all the elaborate cautions underneath that headline. The department advisory advises grocery shoppers to segregate different foods to different bags to package meat and fish and poultry in smaller bags and other totes to wash and dry their tote bags carefully to store the tote bags in a cool, dry place, and to never reuse the grocery tote bags for anything but food. Wow, 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 wow. A smart choice. Anyway, this is a great article, but the fact is it's a huge waste of global resources and a huge contributor, if you believe in global warming, to global warming, in 2018, there were 1.7 trillion barrels of proven. They say, oh, we're going to run out of oil reserves. Or the, if you use too many plastic bags, we're going to go there and you're not going to be any fuel in the fuel tank. In 2018, there was an estimated 1.7 trillion barrels of proven oil reserves worldwide, up from 1.1 trillion. Remember when Obama said we were running out of oil? The guy was so clueless. That guy, how did he ever, that guy, he fell off. He fell off the apple cart, man. And he fell in. He he won the he won the lottery. That dude. The you know on and on it goes. It's just a lot of this. You think, oh well, okay, yeah. I I I don't want to hurt the environment with my life. It says here one of the earliest serious intellectual revolts against modern recycling industry came in an in depth nineteen ninety six essay in the New York Times magazine entitled Recycling is Garbage, authored by the same John Tierney, who recently, uh, anyway, it exposes how misguided environmentalism and government subsidies corrupted the waste management industry. Now, 25 years later, 
for most Americans, all of these misconceptions still constitute conventional wisdom. And that's something you just believed a lie. The biggest misconception of all is the chain that there is no room, the claim that there is no room left in America's landfills. Today, more than ever, there's plenty of alarmist reports making that false claim. This is a great article, but too long to talk about today. You got the gist of some of it, and uh, but this is science, so you should pay attention. So we'll be back next week, God willing. I just saw a friend of mine that died. He's 10 years younger than me, and I just thought, well, it could happen to me. So I want to uh, close this show today uh, in memory of a friend named Tom Huth. Tom was a conservative character and ran a number of radio stations that actually gave me a chance to be on the radio for the very first time when I was peeing my pants. I was so freaked out. And uh, but I'm going to miss him. And he was a, a very he was a patriot and a very nice guy. And I'm sorry to see him die. So I, I'm i doing that. So I'm sure all the supervisors are going to actually share condolences as well at the next supervisors meeting because they care so much when people die in our community. God bless you and have a good week. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Sugar to kiss. Sugar to kiss.